It's April 8th, 2014. And you got it wrong. Is it not? It's April 9th, 2014. Fuck! <laughs> and this is Idle Thumbs 153. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And I'm Sean Vanneman. I'm back. <laughs> God damn it. I got my its. <laughs> what would you have done if I got the date right? I don't know. Quit. Whoa. Wow. Fucking high stakes. I didn't realize I was flying so close it's to the It's Defender. <laughs> That's my job title. It's Defender? Yes. That's also what I say when Defender when is Defender near me. Is around. Yeah. yeah. How was your video game design boot camp that you were at all last week? I made like six games. Wow. What yeah. were they? Um, Bad. Is, is that what the series is called? Bad? Like Michael Jackson? They're inspired by they Michael were. Jackson's Bad, Bad Dudes. Uh, bad Cat. Bad Boys. Bad Cat the Game, Bad Boys 1 and 2, uh, Bad Robot, J.J. Abrams Production Company. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Bad News Bears. There's a Yeah. A it was a theme. It was like a bad jam. Cool. Yeah. It went well? No, it was bad. <laughs> bad as in bad as Michael Jackson bad or bad as in poor? Um, it was fine. I was actually in Hawaii. It was a good place for a game jam about bad games. Wow. Surprised we weren't invited. A good jam about bad games. Bad jam. <laughs> bad jam. Dot biz. <laughs> this episode. Brought to you by Bad Jam. By Bad Jam. <laughs> What are we doing? Talking about Bad Jam. <laughs> we just seeded Bad Jam. We have to fucking pencil that in. <laughs> we had to get badjam.biz because badjam.com was already taken for a site about Bad. spoiled preservatives. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say that was, was t- one of those jokes that I saw the whole long walk happen, and I was like, he's going there. He's going to go get it. God, I got had, it. I had no idea where that was going. Oh, really? I thought you were going to say it was taken by the Phaedrus group. Just <laughs> <laughs> a way worse joke. Also true. That's reference humor, which we don't go for on this podcast. <laughs> Never that. You would know if you listened to last week's episode. I know. I didn't listen to last week's episode. I feel real bad at the beginning of this podcast. Bobby is deciding to back his V12 pickup out of the garage downstairs. So if you hear that, we're sorry. I, I, <laughs> I read the discussion about last week's episode, but I didn't listen to it. So I read people talking about how they were just like clawing their eyes out hearing Chris discuss Eddie Murphy's Raw and not knowing the name, but <laughs> describing it as a it Raw performance. So raw. <laughs> and then... All that made me think of was Homer Simpson talking about the movie uh, about a bus who goes at a certain speed, and if it goes below that speed, these things happen, and then it's the bus that couldn't slow down. And then I realized that I was making you were doing I was making a Simpsons reference in your own brain, yeah, in my own brain. Yeah, so I my thought process around that accidentally became a weird meta commentary on last week's episode, which I haven't listened to. Idle thumbs. You haven't refer- <laughs> listened to it, but you make references to it anyway. Yes, exactly. So even more horrible. Yeah. Even more on brand. Yeah. Even more <laughs> yeah. appropriate, let's say. Cool. Yeah. It was a good app. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you played Mon- Monument Valley. Oh, I wanted to talk about a thing that I haven't played but have an opinion about. I won't do that. We'll talk about that later. Um, what? <laughs> I'm you so glad you're back. <laughs> Say it out loud so we know to come back to it. Luft browsers. Luft. Oh yeah. Ah. Okay. Well, now we're here. Yeah, we can just talk about it. I've only I haven't played the new one. I've only played the original yeah. Flash game. Yeah, right. but the things that you probably mean to bring up are the cultural points that you and I were getting into last night. Yeah, either the color scheme and the Nazis. <laughs> Those elements are the same, whether there's an S at the end of the title or not. <laughs> it was just the, the, the yeah. and the Nazis. It's always. So what did you want to? I don't know. I feel like people have opinions about it. I actually. Okay. I will actually start this. I don't know. God. Okay. I think it's going to go. No. 
Um, fuck, I had a whole thing that I wanted to talk about this morning in regards to this game. And in regards to like my position about jumping right in with my opinion. And it, it, it's a long walk that I don't know if I can actually, actually encapsulate. But I'm definitely a person who would prefer to hear other people talk about it first because I don't feel um, confident or informed enough in the issues to actually say a thing to explain without, what the issues are? without micro-licking myself, basically. That's... Whoa! <laughs> like, I'm not going to say something patently offensive and right, rude, right. but like, yeah, okay, I mean, we could talk about what you want to go. I mean, I guess. I don't have a... I don't know entirely how I feel about this either, so I don't... But just on... just. In terms of what people are talking about, so Luftrausers, we mentioned, I think we mentioned it like two weeks ago. Two or three, I yeah. I think it was two last week, I thought, with no. Danielle. Or was it the week before? It was, it was thought, a couple no, Jake, weeks before Jake that. was on it. Oh, okay. Because yeah. he, he brought up the World War One thing, the Red Baron thing. Um, but Luftrausers is a game, it's a, it's a 2D, um, like, aerial combat game in kind of in it, like, a mishmash, I guess, of World War One and World War Two era inspired it? stuff. Or is it, right? I don't know. Um, that's how it struck me. That's not how the company themselves reference it. But it's a it also... mid twentieth century air combat game. Yes. Yeah, and um, it's like the imagery is very like Teutonic. Like it has, uh, like it draws heavily on like Germanic military imagery, but it's also ostensibly set in like just sort of a fictional universe that is like but... resembles ours. Um, all of the, all of the, like I went back and gave the actual art of the game a harder look, and I still haven't played it, which makes me, yeah, makes G- my opinion, it makes me me, <laughs> but like all of the actual machinery and all of the specifics of all of the imagery is very much like folded, riveted metal. Like it is super World War II in tech. Okay, yeah, it yeah, just yeah. Uh-huh. everything's got a painterly look that evokes pre pre war stuff except right. for the fact that all of the actual specifics are right are really right are world war ii and so well, it's the, original and so the, oh, go ahead. sorry oh just uh actually no finish the finish I framing gonna, it yeah i was just gonna say so that accidentally the like thing. discussion surrounding it um is related to people like uh, drawing really really strong parallels between the like fictional force that you play in this game and just straight up World War II Nazis and the criticism of the game is that it kind of traffics in the like just seductive stylistic elements of Nazism uh, without actually saying anything about it or dealing with it in any way beyond just like appropriating that those aesthetic that aesthetic and um, and then Vlambeer the studio that made the game responded and with sort of a long blog post that I don't really feel like directly addressed that criticism no i don't think it did at all i, no, I actually it, have more criticism of the blog post yeah i do too i, actually, yeah, I feel else. like a more critic i like vlambeer's communication in general seems to me like the biggest misstep of the situation on, but they're on also all like fronts. english is a second language that doesn't right? mean anything though they're i don't know i think it does maybe yeah. um I, think, I don't think it's like you give them a pass but like it's worth it's sure. it's, it's th- worth first off them up, being but, northern but european Ra- i think like rami ismail is incredibly eloquent like I know that guy. He's awesome. Okay. And like, I don't know them at all. He's not to talk to him. You wouldn't ever feel like you have to. You're getting through a language barrier. Right. Like, the guy's really well spoken. Like he gives talks all the time. For sure. Okay. Like he's super smart. He's super cool guy. Super talented. Um. Uh, but the blog post to me was very like. It, it like. 
talked around like the sides of the issue, but not the actual one that was being I completely agree. discussed directly. Like they're like, this is an ambiguous kind of fictional um, like s- setting between World War One and the Cold War. It is a side that like is not supposed to be the side that we were in World War. Like it's really weird, like like aggressively ambiguous in the way they described it, which is fine if the game that they had made was that. But the thing people are taking issue with is, with is that the game did seem to like very specifically evoke a particular army in a, at a particular time. So their response to me is a little odd. Um, but I don't. But I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it because when I played the game, I didn't get as strong a vibe of Nazism as some people did. Right. So like, that's not to discount other people's reaction to it. Um, I just it just means I don't entirely know how I feel. There's someone at the door, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. Editing. <laughs> welcome, welcome back, Sean. Can you say the last part that you said just so Sean can hear it? Because I feel like I don't. Also, Sorry, I, our landlord, I was our landlord knocked on the door. Um, yeah. What did I just say? Oh, I I can't remember what I, what I just said. Um, I think I said something like it's "gone forever." You said, uh, "Oh, you." I just didn't hear what you said starting with when I was actually playing the game. Oh, right. So, but for me, when I was playing the game, I didn't actually pick up on the overt, like... You were just seduced by the imagery. What's funny is that is completely where I, that is my, that is where I'm at. What is? Until somebody brought it up to me. Well, right, exactly. I that played the, the game and I was like, oh yeah, that's a cool, like, that's a thing that looks like a thing. That yeah, I no, no, like. that's how I felt too. I just yeah. played it and I'm like, oh, it's like a... I like the color palette they chose and like there's weird definitely definitely like general Germanic kind of Teutonic thing going on. But like I definitely it definitely didn't like smack me in the face with Nazism when I played it until what's so funny is out. when it was brought up to me um, by a friend, I guess it's he tweeted about it publicly, Rob Dubbin. So I guess it's worth bringing up on the podcast because those are public information. Um, when Rob Dubbin tweeted about his sort of like this. Yeah. He likes the Lambeer guys, too. I don't think he was... And he's also... I think his criticism of the game is a little different than a, like... This guy's the, like, guy who writes for the Colbert Report and, like, does cool development stuff online. Yeah, he's sort of definitely in the, like, indie... The New York City indie game community, I think. Yeah, he's probably, like, a lot. He's smart. Great guy. Really great guy. I met him. (laughs) Really? No, I I don't even know if I've actually ever met him. I think I said... I'm back in his... You met him at PAX. I'm back in Mm -hmm. his... It was right after I started... It was right before I started barfing. Yeah. This week, I'm backing his follower count. Oh, really? He like he set, up this, he set up this. What's up? I think it might permanently be there. Really? No uh-huh. way. It always feels like he follows me. It's randomly. It's random from a bot. Is it? Yeah. Like he set up a thing where he one week, like a month or two ago, he unfollowed everyone he followed. He, like he followed. He had zero following count, and then had a bot that like logged all the people that he had been following before, and it randomly chooses like 180 of them or something. Uh, Every week, so every week his Twitter account just like has a new shuffled set of his former followed accounts. It's a weird thing. I like that. Yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, he. I mean, he tweeted just about him, his criticisms of the, of the aesthetic, but also couched inside of. I think the. I think he likes the Flambeer guys and wants there to, you know, once that is impossible on the internet, which is a like actual conversation about it. But him bringing up uh, Nazi imagery from the perspective of, uh, especially him being Jewish, 
and him that being his insta read whereas mm-hmm. for me totally. yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. sort of like uh-huh. oh yeah it looks kind of like kind of like i don't know germany you know like it's yeah. actually kind of fucked up and then when i kind of started when i s- sat back and thought about yeah, it for sure it was sort of like it made me realize the danger of that stuff just being coded as um as a aesthetic that is like like air quotes looks cool or whatever or is like a palette that you can go and pull from the same way you could like any culturally specific um mm-hmm. uh aesthetic so like being like just like smacked in the face with some self-realization that i had just let it wash over me without ever thinking about it was actually the valuable thing for me totally. like it doesn't mean that i think the game is bad or i think those no, guys no. are assholes i, or I anything, totally agree i think but it was definitely like a self-growth moment where we're like oh i didn't even fucking think about it yep and that was enough for me to like no i agree i'm not I, i'm not particularly interested at this point in like issuing like a fucking judgment on those guys really like, yeah I, same here like that's not i don't think that's interesting or useful to anyone at this point but like but yeah, I do think it's totally valuable in terms of just that realization. That moment of just, oh. Yeah, like, oh, oh yeah, this could actually, like. Because when I play that game. Strike a different chord with a different person who's had different life experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Like, this totally didn't hit me. People who listen to this podcast will know that I tend to, like, depending on the game, I will receive the game totally differently. Like, there will be games where I will, like, every choice the game makes I will stack up against every other choice the game makes, right? Like, and that is like, I there are t- there are games where I find that is like really important and like, not even deliberate. I'll just do I'll just do that naturally. But then there are other games I'll play where I just I just consume it, right? Like I just mm-hmm. the game is like a functional object to me, and it's not. I don't deliberately choose that. It depends just on what the game is. Like and Doge like Doge twenty forty eight, like like Doge twenty forty eight. <laughs> Although I have. I, that one, I feel like almost, I'm still waiting for your medium post about Doge twenty forty eight. I'm I waiting can, for your fucking think piece. <laughs> if I still wrote blog posts about games anymore, I, w- I would, but I don't. What Dude, if I what Doge twenty forty eight magazine? What if I like <laughs> coerced you into doing that over the next week? That would make me really happy. Maybe I don't know. I don't have any time ever to do shit like that. Like just just an arbitrary additional thing. What if at like two o'clock in the middle of the day we're all working on something, or three o'clock? I'm like Chris, take an hour off. Doge twenty forty eight. You can try. Time. We'll see. All right. But, I would uh, just really like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but, but anyway, the point is like Loof Drowsers is a game that when I load it up. Like I have that first time moment of like, oh, I like I like the color choices and like, you know, maybe like maybe I'll think about some of the sort of thematic inclusions. But like really the other every single other time I load up that game, what I'm doing is like mash up plane launch, shoot plane, like Mm -hmm. four Mm -hmm. minutes of total insanity Mm -hmm. score mash up. Like it's just it's uh, my brain like bypasses all that because that's what flame bear games are most of the time. They're like these hyper distilled, right. yeah. super responsive, like incredibly tight packages. And it's a thing I really appreciate them like about them. It's a type of reductive design that I think is mm-hmm. like sublime at its best, you know, like at, cause those games draw from classic arcade games, but there's so much more, um, they're even tighter and more focused. It's like amazing when, when those guys are, are on, like their stuff is just incredible. Right. Um, but it totally like just goes down a different neural pathway in my brain, I think, than the yeah. kind that is well, like funny. Is critically receiving it in a. It's so similar to like playing ridiculous fishing on my iPad, right? I'm playing yeah. ridiculous fishing on my iPad, and my wife looks over my shoulder and goes, "Did you just explode a beluga whale?" Like, yeah, 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 sure, yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. I just I need yeah. to see the points. Yep. The same way she could look over my shoulder and be like, "Are you a Nazi, Are you a Nazi right, Nazi right, now? right now? Yeah, yeah, whatever. I just I'm fucking just I need the points. You <laughs> yeah. know, like it's the same. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know. 
Except yeah. the one's a Nazi. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, which I think is the thing that gets lost. And I think it is actually important. It's the, no, totally. the thing about it that's, that's, that's interesting to me. I mean, all of that stuff, the, you, the moment of realization was for me also like the, it's a Nazi plan. Yeah. But you know what? I think, sorry, go ahead. I go, you say what you're going to say first. Oh, I think the moment of realization for a lot of people who that same sort of moment of realization of like, Oh fuck. Like I didn't even think about that. Like, whoops. Hmm. Self growth. People react really poorly to that moment. Oftentimes in life, because it makes sure. them feel like well, shit. Just, it makes you fuck feel, you for making me think that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Why does everything got to be a fucking thing? Blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah, blah. Ugh. Um, so, but I, where was I going to go with that? Um, yeah, it's uh, true. That came up last week a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels like that feeling definitely came up a lot, but at the same time, Oh, what I was going to say that if it happens to you and you're the creator, you are fucked. Like, what are you supposed to say? Oh yeah, that's true. You know, like guys, honestly didn't realize, right? Like yeah. what is that blog post supposed to be? Cause that could have happened to me. I could, if I had those guys skills, if I had their skill set artistically and design wise, and I was in a vacuum with like two or three people who making a game that happened, wasn't showing it to anybody and then put it out. And then they said, Whoa, Nazis. I would go. <gasps> we got that one playtest note in Walking Dead season one, in episode three, when I guess I could give a Walking Dead season one spoiler. Oh, and Katya eats it. When Katya dies, one playtest feedback person said, "You know, it feels like Katya's death was just a device to push Kenny's story forward." And we just went, oh. "Well, it's done." I had to chloroform that person. And yeah, in the oh. fucking bay. It was. <laughs> That's the reaction. It You're like, like that's. I remember like looking that, at. Uh, I remember looking at. It was uh, just a device woman, to help ease your pain. It was. It was Arthur's wife, whose name I cannot remember yeah. either. And I remember looking at her, and there was a solid three count. And I remember, I remember somebody went to be like, "Whoa!" Like somebody went to defend it, and I was just like, "You were completely right. We're done. You yeah. were completely right." And yeah. the amount of AV that has already been put into selling that moment in this game, and its repercussions going forward for the rest of the story is unchangeable. And fuck, and fuck you were everything. fucking fuck right. You. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah but that's a hard moment and but had that moment happened publicly what do you say other than like whoops <laughs> like i don't whoops is the wrong way to say it but right. i oh, feel like what they course. did say was also incorrect like not addressing it at all yeah it's, i thought that was it's yeah, yeah it's, it's well, the, yeah the, when that spotlight points at your face and you also were like oh yeah huh did kind of eat that one it's, well i think what, it's the difference what, i mean we brought we were talking we were comparing it to the colbert tweet right the other yeah last night yeah which, if you don't know the story, Oof, I don't want to. We don't need to get. We don't have to just go it. look it up. Like Colbert said something that got turned into a tweet by his by the network, and then people lost their shit about it. Um, Stephen Colbert, the comedian. I wasn't clear. Colbert but, um, Cassavin. <clears throat> but I feel like he addressed it one hundred percent. Like took it head on the next night on the show, and whether you agree with him or not he still addressed it. Whereas I don't feel like the Vlambeer post was, I feel like sure. it was just talking around it. They didn't kind of say like, they didn't like, they kind of regretted that the game had been described as a world war two, uh, dog fighting game on steam. And that's, I think since been changed, I could be, I hopefully I'm not slandering them, but I remember that being in the blog. I think somewhere. if it, if it being a pastiche was what they were going for, they probably shouldn't have described it as a world war two game. And they probably should have, made sure that it was actually coming across 100 percent as one it actually read like that to me yeah but but like pastiche would still mean that it's carrying the the 
It means it's an aware reference, right? Yeah, yes, but... Like a Quentin Tarantino film knows what it's borrowing from. This is... that. Yeah, but... Th- okay. This is the thing that's interesting to me that I had to... That I, that I pre-disclaimed, which is... Where exactly is that line? And that is the part that I can't entirely unpack. Like, is it... Okay, obvious surface level thing. You are flying an airplane, which is a Nazi airplane. You are a Nazi pilot. Is that what it is is it like what if it had nazi and japanese stuff from world war ii what if it had things from world war one like obviously like what if it had american and soviet stuff in it like what at what point does this slide back off into okay if weird and then into okay and that's i mean it's really hard thing is tough right? that's not well it's not answerable right i mean you're not you're not gonna make a dogfighting game that is a that is about the travesties of the Nazi army in World War Two. If you you're could. if you're Vlambeer, you're not going right. to. But also, if you're Vlambeer, you're not going to make a dogfighting game where you're just like a beefy American with a scarf, like grinning with two like pinup girls hanging off his arm, because that's the opposite imagery of that war. Like that's the other propaganda right. side. But you could have still done that. Yeah, but like Hellraisers is not a compelling game, whereas Luftrausers is. Like, just it's the the reason they went for it is because no one has done it, but no one has done it for a reason that they did not ask about. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like it's I, I'm not trying to defend their game. No, I'm trying no, to no, figure no, out like right. how do you, I don't think their game needs to be defended. I'm kind of honest. I'm kind of trying to figure out how do you get to the thing that they're getting at. But it's a version that's okay because you're playing like for me, it's all just sort of like I think the meaning of the the creative choice needs to be apparent in the text, whereas it just kind of felt like it was chosen because it looked cool. I don't think it was chosen entirely because it looked cool, though. I mean, I think you playing as like this is just shittily like throwing aside everything. You are playing as the seductive villain character in culture, right? You're playing as the guy who is, like, very well-designed, has better gadgetry, like, slicker, weirder stuff, can do all the cool moves, and still, in history, was bested by the heroes, but still, like, the bad guys have all the cool stuff. Like, that's, I think, what they were going for, forgetting that this particular collection of now-reduced cultural bad guys are, in fact, responsible for massive acts of genocide that still ripple out into people who are alive yeah right yeah for sure i mean they could have just doubled down on it and said you're nazis and it made the entire game dogfighting part of it exactly as it is and then just have interstitial scenes of just the worst shit ever. but that's not they would they, <laughs> i know but you could you i mean you because could. then you would, I don't know at least, you would be at least showing that you're aware of what yeah you're but i don't know if that makes it good i don't know if that's a good thing to do just because you're aware of it I'm not I'm not advocating that as a creative choice for them, but yeah, it's, I don't know. it's in that weird zone of like you guys. How do we how should this be interpreted? And it felt like Vlambeer doesn't even know from their blog post. Yeah, that's something that's strange to me. I think it's totally personally. I think it's totally OK for creators to make things about which they're not sure. Like, I think it's totally, totally fine as a creator to make to make something and not have any clue people are going to interpret it. It's just that once you bring in things that do have real meaning to people that you're, you're just playing with a lot more fire. Like I think it's totally fine to make things without clear intention. 
not that doesn't work for every creator, but I think it's a totally valid means of creation. Mm -hmm. It's just that you're taking bigger risks when the component parts of the thing you're making actually connect to people's lives. But I know, and it feels like these guys don't even know that they were taking a risk. Right, I know. I think that's the, the issue, But the right? reason I feel that way is because as a musician, I feel like a lot of the times the stuff you make is purely intuitive. I mean, maybe right. not when you're making music like to be part of another work. That's right. a little different. But like right. when you're just making music just as a mm -hmm. creator, like it's super intuitive. And I feel like games can be that sure. in a way that movies most of the time cannot be, you know, because mm -hmm. they can be totally abstract. Like mm -hmm. there, there are a lot of games that I, that, um, that aren't quite that like games have rule sets. So it's a little, a little bit different, mm -hmm. but I, there are games where I play them and I feel like they must've been made at least on the content side, largely intuitively. Sure. And I think I mean, that's really cool. But it's but not like, like that's, there's not like a direct pipeline from that process to the marketplace. Right. Cause like, if no, you, there's if, not, I'm just did saying, a song, right. You sat down to do a song and you like were just intuitively, it had sort of like a, like, um, like 19th century, like sort of like, like slave songness to it that had that same sort of rhythm and like, sure. you know, like yeah, had, was stooped, like steeped in a real yeah. like heritage of mm -hmm. like of American history that mm -hmm. you would have to like, you would sit back, you would make the thing, you would listen to it and then you would go, it no, would totally. go through a Absolutely. filter be like, yeah. okay, what are my references and my content? Where do those intersect? Mm -hmm. And is that what I want? Yeah. Do I, and am, well, I, am I cool with that? I think the thing you're describing actually happens a lot and doesn't have that like even in music, I think it's super common. If you look at just the history of popular music, I think it's super common for like exploitative shit like that to happen. People oh, never yeah. think about it at all before it gets to market. Yeah, like, but I mean, people have written a ton about that. No, I know, I know, yeah. I know they have. I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Making things is fucking weird. It's is hard and weird. Yeah. Um, I don't it's know really how to feel. Tough. I don't know how to feel about this game entirely. I don't know how to feel about this stuff. Like this stuff conceptually, it's really, really hard to think about. Yeah. It also. Great 16 page forum posts on our metal <laughs> <laughs> forums. Yeah. Thanks for indulging us a little bit and letting us talk about whatever we want. Yeah. Because we definitely did that last week. And then I realized we slipped right back into that glove. I know. We got to, we got to so. talk about other stuff. Not that this yeah. is not incredibly important yeah. and interesting, but like, yeah. Sometimes that'll happen. Yeah. No, I don't know. The, just, we should do the range of, <laughs> the range of thoughts that I had when that story broke was just, out of control. I know because if you're someone who makes things, it spirals out into a crazy. Yeah, like, I mean like, the the place that you went of shit in this, Sean, of just like, what if this was me, or like, what does it got? What does it got to be like to be a per? Like, I could have put this game out. Yeah, I'm I was like I'm not capable of making a an, like a dogfight shooter that's at all, let alone one that's good. But I like who I am as a human being and just what my life is. I could make right. I could do that, and then that could happen. That was one avenue of it. Also, just like I've written what lines already it? on the game hmm? where I'm just I've written lines already on the game that I've shared internally where I'm like, is this going to is this is this is not it OK what? for this guy to say? Yeah. When you're writing a character, I feel like it's easy. You get it. You get away from it. Right. Because like. Like Henry's allowed to say shit that is politically incorrect because Henry is a character. Right. You know what I mean? It's like whether yeah. but like you then you have to take one. Step the onus back is go, on you to reflect the world, honestly, like. Yeah. And that character, honestly. And then, hope, but hopefully the voice of the game is not. Right. Like the voice of the character and the voice of the game are always the things, especially early on in a project where you're like, you fucking or you go crazy trying to like yeah. unconflate the two and make them yeah. different and make them about something For sure. individually. But the voice but of the game also includes like. It's the synthesis of 
that character and also the other characters and right. also like <clears throat> the events that permeate the world like all those things you know what i mean yeah. so like yeah just the way uh, the actual systems kind of judge your performance relative to the way that the characters are speaking. And yeah, like and, and yeah. also just the fictional world the character lives in. Like, that's important, too. Like, but I also, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm about to uncork a fucking thing that I didn't know <laughs> if I actually wanted to. <laughs> I think sometimes people hate the fact that their thing could be interpreted poorly and then make the decision anyway in spite of that. Because they're like, Fuck people who are going to think that this is a thing that it isn't. And then put in a choice that just offends a bunch of people. I think sometimes, especially comedians do that. Bad comedians do that. Yeah, that definitely happens. (laughs) I think so, at least. Oh, man, speaking of that, we should read that guy's uh, comedy school forum thread during reading. Oh, yeah, we will. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. He wrote wrote it into questions. Okay, Okay. that'll be from questions. If you need me, I'll be at the school that this man (laughs) took me to. Anyway, we played Monument Valley. Yeah. Do you like it? I like it so far. It seems really cool. I what level are you on? Eight. Okay. Yeah, you just started eight. The, okay, we're on the same level. Okay, I have completed the game. It's ten levels, right? It is ten levels. Yeah. For some this reason, a, I hit eight, and I was like, I need a pause. I'm. All, I was about to start eight. Yeah. And I didn't play anymore. Exactly I think that's where I'm at. That's exactly where I'm at. Right yeah. around then is when the levels start getting. To well, the level seven was the first yeah. one that was like very long. Right. So, yeah. so okay, before we start talking about, we need so to it's say a video this game. This is a game for. Or is it? It's a mobile game. This is a game for iOS devices called Monument Valley, and it's like four dollars or something. Yeah, three ninety nine. Yeah, and it's, um, it's a platformer that is three D, but it's three D in the way that M C Escher drawings are three D. So, uh, there are crazy like contiguous spaces that would not be contiguous in reality. So it yeah. fucks with perspective constantly. Um, it's similar to like uh, the game Echochrome that came out early in the PS3s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it has like elements of Fez to it, except mm-hmm. it's from an isometric perspective and not flat on. Mm-hmm. Um, it has. It feels like it. it it's, also, it's, it's just amazing looking. Like it's just very it's just beautiful. Crazy. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It all, it all visually looks... though, it even feels like if like Fez and Echochrome and like Journey made a weird. Yeah, baby. totally. Like, yeah, it has. Stupid. It has yeah. the very flat like gradient color mm-hmm. look of of journey that looks all, like almost, almost 2d until it moves also, it's sort yeah. of pastel yeah, desert are great, like different levels yeah. feel color graded differently which is really cool yeah um it's got a really really nice look um although i have mixed feelings about the the overall aesthetic package of Same. the game and i'll explain why in a bit but like i love playing it like yeah. it's it's there are, a lot of times you can feel very kind of just lock and key and very just um constrained but also it's just constantly novel you know right. in the way that you want games like this to be mm-hmm. where like, Oh no, you can interact with the world in this crazy way. Like, Oh, you can walk like this thing happens when you walk on like over here. Like what? Yeah. It's just, it's constantly throwing stuff like that at you. And it's, it's, and it doesn't uh, try to wring like every last drop out of those novel introductions no. either. You sort of experience one, you sort of enjoy it and then you move mm-hmm. on. Which is if really anything, nice. it has like too light a touch at times. Yeah. Like in like level two, there's an element that you can drag around and the visual treatment on that element to suggest that is like the most is, I mean, it's super identifiable once you know it can happen. But if you don't know it can happen it's been at all, and just like uh, it's so subtle, which most of the time is nice. Occasionally, I, I um, gave you know whatever. But I, I, I like it a lot. It's really cool. I will play the last two levels. I guess you have eight, nine, and ten. Eight, nine, and ten. Okay, three yeah. more levels. Yeah. The last three levels of the game are actually. I mean, you can kind of tell from the seventh one that it. it yeah, it starts to. It doesn't do. I guess it's a spoiler. I don't know. It doesn't do what like what Portal One does, where 
you think you're at the end in the second half of the game just appears out of nowhere, but the the level size ramps yeah, up and sure. this, like, it definitely the, feels like it's the, the complexity of sort of the devices that you're interacting with starts mm-hmm. to get heavier to the point that it does a thing that not a lot of people seem confident to do and like it it just like it just has the last couple of levels you can finally start to sort of see all of the different little pieces of the game working together where mm. sort of like your guy walking off axis from gravity your, your and girl. like she's a lady oh you're a lady sorry um you're right i forgot about that and uh just elements of the of the level being able to slide and rotate mm-hmm. and spin around when your character is on them when they're not on them and all of those things working in tangent and then the game is over and it it gets yeah. it gets just enough i think that you're uh-huh. that you're uh like satiated right but it doesn't wear out its welcome yeah but it doesn't wear out its welcome that said if there was an 11th one that was just yeah yeah, yeah. I insane i would have been pleased they, right. they said they're doing more content for it i think actually oh, okay cool i didn't i didn't really know what this game was but i saw a couple of people talking about it on twitter that caused me to look into it and i like greg rice who i used to work with double fine and someone else i forget we're saying like I've been playing this game really slowly as I get to the end because I just don't want it to be over. Right. Um, I saw that sentiment from a few people, yeah. which is cool. I can totally understand. It's one of those games that. Uh, well, yeah, because you can you can leave through the number of levels right at the beginning of the game and you get to ten, and then when you pull like the swipe past it, it just spins and you can see the next face on sort of the little stage selection thing is just blank. Mm. Oh wow! Okay, this is yeah. this is gonna be short. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I got through the first seven levels and I think well under an hour. Like, I, yeah, it, was, it feels it like that's. Maybe level seven might be the halfway point, though. Yeah. When it comes to time. Yeah, that's probably actually yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's cool. Sorry, okay. You about to say oh, something. nothing. No, I mean, I was gonna. It also has elements. The things that I don't, I'm not actually wild about it, are like the elements that feel very like drawn from something like sword and sorcery. They're just sort of like abstract, yep. like dreamlike narrative. That's it's, it's so withholding in its like mm-hmm. in its detail that I don't feel like it can make an impact. It, well, you know what it feel, how it feels to me. This is really specific, but it is exactly how it feels to me. It feels to me like the way that, so I haven't written, I used to write a lot of songs. Like when I was in college and the first few years out of college, I used to write a lot of songs and I didn't really even like, the vast majority of them have never been like released or shown to anyone really like outside of maybe until now. No, like really never. Um, <laughs> turned into like stores a, on an hour of music. Yeah. And part of the reason, oh, I see. <laughs> part of the reason for that is that when you write songs, Chris Ramo hits such as, <laughs> Um, scroll the list. Like the ones in yellow are the ones that he's playing. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. That's available You're from Time Life Books and the Out of Thumb Store. Time Life Books. Oh, Time Life Music. Ah. <sighs> Maybe it's a book that includes like some tape cassettes of your songs. Right. It's like the definitive liner notes. It's yeah. It it's, has that really like crunchy plastic. That's actually not what it plastic. is. It's the history of Western Europe uh, and country music, or some just weird, horrible like. <laughs> That is across 50 volumes, yeah, but right. that's accompanied yeah, 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 yeah. by... Yeah. That's a really ambitious piece of work for you right out of college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. You don't talk about that very often. I do not. You were trying to talk about it earlier, but we cut you off. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, um, when you write songs that are like written and performed by you, like it feels very personal, especially if you feel like you want to write about anything that comes from your own life. Like At least mm-hmm. for me. I, I Obviously, there are a lot of people who don't have this problem, and they just write songs and it's fine. But Miles like, Cyrus. I definitely, <laughs> yes, I definitely constantly have this problem when I'm writing, when I'm like creating things that are fully created by me, unless they're like 
inherently disclaimed by something, right? Mm -hmm. Like writing a goofy auto thumb song immediately comes with the disclaimer of like, this is not really exposing any of myself. Right. It's you almost like I mean? work for hire in the yeah, way that you can yeah, yeah, yeah. distance yourself from it. Yeah. Even exactly. though you care. There's yeah. right, no, I totally care about making yeah. it good and like trying to make it like entertaining and, and high quality and like interesting in some way. But, but novelty I'm songs are prefaced with the word novelty. Do you mean, so, exactly. like, you mean the vinyl record that has arrived at many people's oh, homes yeah, totally. this week is not full of your soul? It's full of a part of my soul, right? But it's not full not of my shell. like it's it's oh, the difference the difference yeah. is it's not really <laughs> sell out <laughs> it's full of little of relatively little of my personal lived experience as a human being as right? a space asshole it's remember that time <laughs> when you were pissed about uh castlevania not being an exclusive that's true so it's you wrote of, that song from your of, perspective it's full of some guys lived experience <laughs> that's, that's for sure. some guy on joystick i think it was a joystick comment maybe but um but anyway the the, the thing i mean is that when you make things that are like creative works that you that have something in them that feels personal to you it can it you there's an instinct at least there's an instinct for me and i feel this when i play certain indie games there's an instinct to obscure it somehow um and oftentimes the way that that comes through in a way that is like feels like it's not being withholding for that reason mm -hmm. is to be withholding for like coolness reasons, it's is I, I I would have the exact same criticism about um, Kentucky Route Zero. Yes, I know yeah. what you mean. Where Kentucky it's just Route, like yeah. just tell me the fucking story that you have in your heart, right? Because you clearly want to. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's how I feel, and I it it makes it it kind of makes me harder on those games a little bit because I recognize that instinct, uh -huh. but don't really respect it. <laughs> God, it's so funny you articulate I know, it that way. I would not have been able to do that, but that is very... It's because it's an experience I've had a lot. It's one of the reasons I like working on games with teams of people is it's so much easier to like to be part of something and feel like you're putting yourself into it, but then not be on display. Right. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it's so hard to... Um, it's for me, I have, right. like it's hard for me to be like, yep, this is the thing that came out of my soul. Check... Yeah fucking have at it like i could never say that but when it's actually making the stuff i never think about it ever being consumed. yeah well you're probably better at it than i am no i think it just there's just a nullness to it there's just like a numbness to like sure. the fact that there's ever an audience yeah i do think i do think with like with when one person is making the entire thing it's different i think if you were going to yeah, go out right, and like yeah, write yeah. a short story mm -hmm. that's just by sean vanneman oh and yeah like, i went to college well, right. Got yeah, that's embarrassing. So you at least know the feeling. Yeah, like, I remember right? writing like, a story that didn't land. It was super duper duper personal. Yeah. In like an advanced workshop and just feeling like a chump. But then yeah, the next like thing you did worst. was like a super cool, like aloof take on similar <laughs> themes. The next thing, yeah, I was, it was about kids, uh, like, yeah, playing. Was uh, it a super cool aloof take? Indians in, the, in, a, in a surreal forest being hunted by a monster that was actually. <laughs> God, I can't tell if you're kidding. Is actually no, their, I'm making all theory. that up. It's an indie game he's talking about. Yeah, but I mean, it's funny because when that I would could be write... the exact response no, to that experience. When I got so I had never been in workshops before, and when the first time the first short story I wrote was like based on a story that a friend had told me about growing up in his life about like about trying to like uh trying to find an open seven eleven or something. And I was really chuffed by the story so just imagined it as if it was me and my friends growing our friend yep. <laughs> adam <laughs> growing up in wyoming and wrote this like really like it could have basically been like a treatment for super bad which is like just gonna try to right. get to a party yeah, yeah, yeah. you know or whatever and it was so like just 
benign it was just a just you know of a totally. story yeah no and, teeth yeah yeah it was nothing it was a nothing thing and like i remember my teacher fucking called me on it she's like what is this like this is this is nothing <laughs> this is just yeah there's yakuza in this story i'm like yeah i know like in my hometown <laughs> of wyoming i was 18 i didn't know yeah, what i was sure. writing yeah, yeah, yeah you know so like that was one way of failure so then your response to that is be like oh you want personal Here's about this fucking time where the worst thing ever happened to me when I was 16. And then you just, you put it out there and it doesn't land because you don't have the tools to. Yeah, you can't back it up. To deliver it, right? Like, it doesn't mean the story was bad, but it means like you just didn't have the fucking. Chops. Chops. Exactly right. Chops. So then that fails. And then you're just miserable (laughs) for two years of college or three years of college until you fucking figure it out. Yeah. I still don't feel like I have the chops. Yeah. Well, I definitely don't. But like the, but the, but despite my like sympathy for that situation, I still find, okay. Also I'm like, maybe that's not why these games end up that way, but it does seem to be a common thread in like indie games of a certain aesthetic is this like very distanced, very withholding, very overtly emotional, but Mm -hmm. not actually really, about anything because there's a moment like, in monument valley that's outside of the like the cut scene like where you talk to a like the ethereal spirit lady there's a scene where you complete a level and your ability to complete the level was um was tied to like essentially a block that was a creature that helps you out yeah you the totem. Mo- yeah you move yeah, you move fun. them you move them in 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 concert together to complete the level and then as you're leaving the level like she's separated from the totem and the totem isn't can't come with you and the way that moment was actually illustrated, I thought was fucking awesome. I really liked that was my favorite moment of the game. But then the rest of the game didn't feel like that to me. It felt like it wanted it to be that moment. And they executed on that one moment. And they were trying to tell you about all these other moments that were going to happen through text. It didn't seem to. I don't know. Yeah, I, I there are people for whom the story of this game is hitting really hard. There are people who are emotionally affected by this thing. But for me, I think just like you guys, I kind of wished that none of the explicit content had been in the game at all. And it was just this sort right. of weird tone experience that had the yeah. one story of you meeting and getting separated from the totem. Yeah. And then the stuff that happens at the end. Yeah. And right. It's, like, it's sort fine. of like, it's the pairing of two really abstract things, right? It's a very abstract aesthetic with this abstract story that creates sort of like a zero for me. But if like, it's like you, limbo is a it, limbo could have gone this route had it had words. Right. In it. Right. Absolutely. Limbo is an example lim- to me of like, <clears throat> Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was actually going to compare them to like the team, the Ico games. Uh-huh. Like, I, like oh, totally, yeah, those are great. You know, like I feel like Ico and Shadow of the Colossus are both live in that same sort of like surrealist yeah. dream space. Absolutely, but the represented is real as the like they're a little stylized, obviously, but like the kid from the Shadow of the Colossus and that horse look fucking real. Like they just feel like real people. They have weight and they have a relationship and they act and twitch like. And they sort of have all the little minutia of things that are alive. And then the story can then be this sort of surrealist parable um, that when those two things come together, it feels like it has like a big well, like journey impact. is stylized and has nothing realistic about it. And that- I would almost classify Journey in the same fucking camp as these games, except Journey just executes so I would, well. I got blinded I think, by how I good think, it was. I, and also I the network. Flower, I think Flower is the one that goes in that camp. Right. Flower is the one that to me has this like very overt, weird, like, Journey's I guess it's right like an me. environmental message or something. I, I don't know. I was just so blown but away like, by the execution and then the, the, Journey, the, the network stuff of, of Journey. Of running no, no, into totally. Person, that stuff is fantastic. You know, that stuff was yeah. outside of the, like the explicit narrative to me. I, I thought Journey, I thought Journey, like 
Journey might have like skirted the line a bit, but I think it totally landed on the right side of it. Yeah. The thing that okay, I guess for me the 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 difference is that Journey and Limbo and uh like uh Ego and Shadow of the Colossus, none of those games have a moment inside of the game where the game explicitly says this is how you should contextualize this. This is how you should specifically mm-hmm. feel about this. This is the actual tone of what's going on. You mean, when you say that, do you just mean... I mean, I literally, like those, they do have those moments. You just mean, like, through dialogue. Like, they they do and they don't, right? Because I mean, Shadow of the Colossus starts out with a fucking cutscene with dialogue. With yeah, subtitles. that's... Yeah. And I also don't like that part of Shadow of the Colossus. Not really, I don't mind that. But I feel uh, like you need to be frank. Like, Sword and Sorcery is a cool game, except when someone talks and then you just go, oh, what, this is what this is actually about? Yeah. Whereas Journey, you could play that game in a vacuum completely separate from all culture mm-hmm. that's going on right now, and I think that it would be an affecting experience for I a agree. lot of people. Yeah, yeah. But if, like, a wacky dude smoking a cigarette comes out and, like, slips in and out of affected speech and, like, Or if you got to the top of the mountain stuff, and, like, a monster said, like... He who comes forth and on the trath or whatever or like whatever you'd be like what well, yeah uh, I don't know just say just... your thing like what why do you have to talk to me because <sighs> journeys like feels like you go on you do go on this journey but nobody speaks the whole time except in like bits and bobs yeah journey feels huge without having to tell you anything yeah. but like I don't know that it's it's a weird thing to yeah, fixate this on is, for sure this was not a reason not to play monument Valley, no fucking play but, the game for sure but i only the only reason i wanted to talk about it is because it's something that keeps recurring for me with a number right. of games almost to the point where if i see a screenshot of it and it has a certain polish level i can almost just assume it's going to be like this and then the game would have to just indicate otherwise when i play it because it does seem to be it does seem to go along with like highly pilot polished mm-hmm. highly stylized and stylish um Small scale games, but you know, counter what, uh, where, um, the game that could have been that, but you don't think about it because you're too close to it was fucking Broken Age. Broken mm, Age really? and its aesthetic and its surrealness. Broken is Age all is, a, is a literal story. Though. I know, no, no, I know, but then it has this like concrete story with people saying real things to each other that I can like relate to as a human. I was fucking genuinely being. worried when the art. For Broken Age and the early stuff came out where there was no dialogue. Released. I was like, did Tim really like Sword and Sorcery? Right, because, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's partly because he had, Tim hadn't written the script, actors right. hadn't been cast, but like it was just this like tinkly music and indie comic books, super lanky characters sort of doing things in beautiful, in, like, the in beautiful contextless <laughs> yeah. spaces. And I was like, yeah, what I, the I like, fuck? Am I gonna get because I guess Tim was talking about like in the videos, like how he loves uh, Machinarium, which is not like this at all, right. but you could see. A game with, a version of it that is you that. can see a game right. with the, with the sparseness of that, and then trying to stitch a little bit of story into it, like a little bit of, of explicit right. dialogue based narrative. Yeah. But Broken Age turns out to just be a crazy hand painted because cartoon. they talk and live and react <laughs> like us. But it's thematically you know about mean? some of the same stuff that a lot of these games are about. It's interesting. Yeah, just, but I yeah, feel but like it it's digestible. It, head on, it deals yeah. with it exactly head on through like the emotions and like experiences of a living contemporary person. Yeah, you know. I feel like coming of age tale is like sort of in the zeitgeist right now. It's just that it generally tends it's frequently in games tackled in this like weirdly tame way that right. is like aggressive. That's actually why I didn't like Moonrise Kingdom. Mm, Moonrise see, Kingdom was Moonrise Kingdom. the same sort of like, I, I don't know, I love Wes Anderson, but that had had that sort of emotionally distancing coming of age story where like the ass like it, it 
makes it feel like the the experience of coming of age is this sort of like distant dream that which for which we all have nostalgia where I'm like, uh, I don't know. It's yeah. actually just sort of like a, it's a mess. It's like a yeah. guy in a wheelchair falling down stairs. It's just parts clunky that, and painful. There, well, there totally are parts of it that in retrospect, I do think feel like dreamlike and weird, but it's definitely like, that is one component that is right. not the, the, like it's, it's a weird part for to be so fixated on yeah. in media currently. Cause I don't think it's, it's not good as an entire representation of that right. of sensation. It's funny that you brought up Moonrise Kingdom. I don't have anything to say about it other than I agree. I think that movie is at its best when it is explicit and messy, which is only in like two, like 30 second bursts in that movie. Not I know. Anyway. Which is why I like Grand Budapest. Because like sometimes people say. wipes the slate clean. I mean, because no, but Grand still, it's crazy. But somebody looks somebody else in the eyeballs and says something, and you see that person react like a human being. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that like, movie is pretty distant as well. It's just knows it better, I think. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, but, like, Grand Budapest Hotel But that Budapest means that the occasional, is, like, pinprick of light that comes through yeah. is also very conscious. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. You guys want to take a break? I would love to take a break. <sighs> it's fine. What? What, what do you have to say? What? Do you what? Say? Just say Come what you're going to say. Your, don't, I'm done with these subjects. I just want to keep talking. It's your it's. You know what? It's my it's, and it's time for a break. It's time for a break. Yeah. Video games. This episode is brought to you by our friends at NatureBox. You can go to naturebox.com slash thumbs. Yeah, you get 50% off your first month. Which is a deal. A very, very good deal. We can talk about this. Uh, oh, you, we, should talk, we should explain who. Well, NatureBox, NatureBox is. is they will send delicious and nutritious snacks to your home or office on sort of a subscription basis um, and you can get choose the snacks that you want in your pack and you can get three different sizes of packs and they will just arrive and be I delicious. thought you said you can get choose like like I was gonna say, you can get choose you can get crunchies you can get um savories you get blueberry nom you can get blueberry nom noms I actually like the blueberry I feel nom like noms. we were accidentally sent blueberry nom noms uh, it's because you said I the mean, word enjoy blueberry no 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 them. I didn't say the fucking word blueberry nom nom. Uh, maybe I did. Maybe I did just outrageously say it the way I just said it just now when I was re- reading I just website. saw you have a Manchurian candidate moment <laughs> when you said, I didn't say blueberry nom nom. camera like spiraled through yeah. the rifling of your eye into your you brain just now. full yeah. vertigo eye. Yeah. <laughs> but. But it better, better than that. I mean, Even better than the facts that I. Uh, I mean, yeah. Obviously you nommed those noms, but. I really like those actually. They were yeah. like little granola choose yeah but but separate to that um much more importantly to me uh we were sent an actual idle thumbs p box after proposing such a box last week it's ah, including some of them are chickpeas mm-hmm. yeah citrus chipotle chickpeas peppery chickpeas i'm not gonna read those ones yet let's see here oh it's pretzel pop Got a lot of pretzel pops in this pea box. Because it's anything round, Mandarin basically. garlic peas. Oh my god, the mandarin garlic peas. Roasted sea salt chickpeas. Country ranch peas. Uh-huh. Smoky barbecue peas. Yeah. Blueberry nom noms. Yep. <laughs> then I would say honorary peas 
are the seaweed, what is it, seaweed rice pops or something? Yeah. Those were right delicious. Oh, seaweed rice pops, yeah. God, and, those like, are good. Because you like them, they're on. They're entered into the pea fan? No, you look at them and they're about the same size yeah, and shape Yeah, it's the form factor. Yeah. And I, that's the one thing that's so impressive about our, the, our friends at Nature Box is that they heard Chris, like, they picked up on the fact that it wasn't just, I it's mean, like, the, the pea it's is, like when the, pea is and, the benchmark, but if something is the size and shape it's like when you're playtesting a, a video game yeah and you, and you hear feedback that's like i, I like really the peas. This, and i think it should be like that i like the peas and you're like i think what you really like is the tactile feeling like of a round with crunchy like round objects. unit like, you're like an atomic yeah bite. no i'm pretty sure it's the peas meanwhile yeah whatever seaweed yeah. rice pops you're like oh this is uh, oh, this is like delicious. peas it's to like me peas i love it yeah. checks the pea box <laughs> anyway naturebox.com slash thumbs it'll really check your pea box So we have a second sponsor this week, and they're our friends at Brave Wave. Brave Wave is a video game music label that uh, does a lot of like, interesting things with video game music, and they facilitate sort of uh, their recent, most recent album, Influx, is sort of they've facilitated sort of partnerships across um, like multiple video game cultural boundaries to bring people together to make individual songs. Yeah, like Japanese artists and uh, also Western artists, like in many cases collaborating on the same tracks, which is cool. Uh, last time they were a sponsor, you played a song that you liked very much mm-hmm. from Jim Guthrie. And right now you're going to hear. Oh, it was Jim Guthrie and Yamaoka. What is it? Uh, Yamaoka. What is it? Akira Yamaoka, who did Silent Hill. Like, yeah, yeah. those guys are both awesome. Which is kind of an amazing. Yeah, it's a crazy like pair. mashup. Yeah, yeah. But I want week. you to play the song that I like the most from this album, which you're going to hear right now. So that track was called Manta Ray by the Polar Birds. They're from France. And you can get And there's get three that. of them. There's three of them. They're a French trio. Yeah. Not dissimilar of uh, the the Three Musketeers. There, well, there's four of them, so... Uh-huh. The weirdly named. That's confusing. Yeah. Is that true? Well, if you include D'Artagnan, there's four of them. I don't. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. So this month, Braveway was actually offering 10% off... For Idle Thumbs readers, you can go to store.bravewave.net and use the checkout code video games, all one word. Yeah, fine. Hmm. It's fine, it's fine. One word. It's a slight oversight from our friends. All one word video games. Again, you go to store.bravewave.net, 10% off anything you want of theirs with the discount code video games. Maybe their discount code system like doesn't support spaces, so they had to it probably turn it into, like, into a compound word. Yeah. Did I tell you the first document we ever got from our lawyer had video games spelled as one word the whole way through it? Did you ask me to change it? I went through and changed every single fucking instance. I won't sign this. And sent it back. Yeah. Anyway. New games. (laughs) And we're back. Oh my God, are we back? Okay, we're back. And since we just talked about this uh, in the ad read, I kind of want to talk about it for real. What? Video games? Video games, one word or two word. Why does anyone care besides it's hilarious? (laughs) I think, Are you it's, asking it's because I think language right is important. That's okay. That doesn't mean anything. Well, why do you, you? Why do you? <laughs> wait, why do you care? Um, 
I my reason is dumb. Uh huh. But it's because I don't when it. people started to compound video games into one word, it was because it was an attempt. It was like a response to feeling slighted and marginalized. Like video games are just kid games, but we make lowercase video games one word. It's a new thing. Yeah, yeah and to me, I was. It's it's. No, I agree. Sh- it's a shitty thing, but it's just like if the thing that we make is known as video games, we should collectively define what those are instead of abandoning that word and for lost and make a shittier word instead. That's like that's why I like video games as two words. I agree. All right. Just making sure. Also, I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Also, it's fucking funny to just be militant about there being a yeah. space in the word video games. Yeah. Language is important, though. <laughs> no, I agree. Oh. You, you, had ex- you just described why language is important. Oh, maybe I did. <laughs> maybe <laughs> did. Video games. Video games. How is that video game that you played? Which? The downloadable content of the Bioshock Infinite game. I only played the first half. Did Chris, Chris played the all s- of it? Chris played the second half. So those are, but those are, it's worth clarifying. Those are two different DLCs. Yes. Like there's Burial, Burial at Sea, Bioshock like Infinite, Burial at Sea, Episode 1, Episode, episode one 2. and Episode 2, yeah. Um, what, well, Cat Levine can't count the three? Oh! <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. That's, that's, that, that's, not, that's not a joke to make. That's fine. Bioshock 1, 2, Infinite, what's up? Burial at Sea, Episode 1, 2, Company goes out of business, everyone laid off, what's up? <laughs> Can't ship a three. <laughs> Sorry, that was me as a character, so I can get off the hook. That's not my actual opinion. That was sort of like, uh, you know. Yeah. yeah, it was Jake yeah. Rod- Jake Video Games Rodkin podcast character. Yeah. That was video games is one word. Video games is two words. <laughs> Would <laughs> never, never say something. something like that. Woof. I want to hear what you have to say about it first, because I episode one... I played it and I haven't played episode two because although it was like, it was the reminder that I actually like the Bioshock series because of a lot of the tonal stuff in Rapture as mm-hmm. well as the sort of specific Me mechanical too. choices mm-hmm. of Bioshock one. So I played Burial at Sea chapter one because I wanted to just get another like bite at Rapture. Um, but it's it, the structure of, of, of Burial at Sea episode one was so similar to Infinite that I was put off by it. And I actually don't think I beat like I, I think I got like 20 to 30, not, not 20, 30 minutes, the whole game, 90 minutes long. I was I was clearly minutes from the end. Like I was on the, the ramp down yeah. to the finale of it and I put it down and I never picked it up and completed it. Mm-hmm. But it was because like I finally got to see Prefall Rapture. I finally got to see all the, uh-huh. the things that had been alluded to forever. And the moment that my gun came out every piece of personality and it was replaced with a splicer or a police officer who I shot in the face and it was infuriating. And I kept playing through it cause it was like, Oh cool. I can see like whoever Fontaine or, you know, I can see all like, I can mm-hmm. talk to all these faces and hear all these names and the sounds and colors that I like. But, and the reason that was frustrating to you relative to Bioshock one is because the promise of it to you was that this was Bioshock before it was just like a war torn shithole. I guess I'd, I'd just, I wanted something that wasn't there but like i just it felt like it was awkwardly splitting the difference between sure. so many things that i didn't get mm-hmm. anything out of it that i was looking for yeah. other than those no, first few minutes but it sounded like the second episode of barrel at sea 
like you're playing as Elizabeth, which is which is different. The game has yeah, they're 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 trying to push some of the encounter design to be a mm-hmm. different specific thing. Even mm-hmm. like I don't know, I wanted to hear yeah, yeah. I, I have really that. mixed feelings on Burial at Sea episode two, and when I I say that, I don't mean in the same way I usually mean by mixed feelings, which is like things wrapped up in each other. It's more like suddenly the game almost becomes a different game, and I have different feelings about it than I do in the first part most of it so i i'd like to burial the episode too um although i will say up front to you jake that it doesn't like radically depart from the things you're talking about in the sense that like you you know you still you still just encounter a bunch of splicers who are explicitly enemies and you but you and you know that's just how it is um but you also this this game did a thing that I kind of like in games actually, which might sound weird, given how I I often talk about games, but I kind of like that Burial at Sea. It's kind of simultaneously ambitious and unambitious. Like it's super ambitious in that it's a DLC for a game that already exists, and they swap out the main character and they introduce a bunch of new systems, and it's a totally different environment than the game that it's a DLC for was. You know, as was Episode One. Like, it's ridiculously ambitious in a lot of ways, um, which is impressive because they had to recreate all that Rapture shit because they couldn't just use stuff from Bioshock 1, both because it's displaying a different Rapture and also the assets are just not nearly... They're old. uh, They're just old. They're not sufficient for a current generation, um, like, AAA game. And so so that's ridiculously ambitious, and that stuff all worked really well for me um, for the most part. And it's also unambitious in the ways that it is trying, like that game has like stealth systems and it's kind of just fundamentally unambitious as a stealth game. And I also approve of that. Like, I think that is also the total way to go because I think like I played it on easy just because, um, and playing that game on easy with the stealth systems that they put in it as Elizabeth, it just doesn't get in your way. It's like, which is exactly in my opinion, like exactly the right way to go. Like if it was just there more for feeling than for, yeah, it's there to just communicate, you're tr- you're trying to be less of just a crazy whirling dervish, just exploding your way through this world and wreaking havoc. Is whirling on everything dervish you see. a tonic or plasmid? Also, because it-, <laughs> <laughs> it should be. Uh, it sounds like one. Um, you know what I mean? Like the a big problem with a lot of s- stealth parts in games, or with like half baked stealth systems, is just because of the nature of stealth. When it's not done really well, it's infuriating. Like it's the worst. You fail all the time in ways that are like. That re- that sort of are yeah. like hair trigger failures, you know, and like things are are just it can, it's very frustrating. It's very trial and error, and they just kind of said, you know what, like these are there's just some simple stealth systems. I'm sure it's still a pain in the ass to like make it all work within their existing game system, but the result is very approachable, and I think it, it I was like it was like a relief to play, you know, like you get you play infinite, and it can be really it can be really stressful, which is in itself not a bad thing inherently but it was nice to play this and be like all right i'm playing this other character i'm not like booker this crazy just agent of constant destruction um it it was like a relief that's kind of just how it felt to me and it was also i shared the thing well i don't know if you ended up liking it or not in the game but i did like seeing rapture rendered at like current technology levels in real time in the game like it was I thought it was really cool. Did you? You're making a face. What did you feel? I, like I have mixed feelings on that, but I'm unfortunately fixated on the whirling dervish plasmid, or in, I guess <laughs> a Bioshock Infinite tonic, where a whirling dervish tonic is 
only able to be consumed in the midst of an action sequence when the music mm-hmm. is at its height. Yeah. And what the Whirling Dervish tonic does is turns the game into a third-person game so you can see what a crazy fuck <laughs> you're being. Oh, no, that's the worst. <laughs> it just shows you flipping weapons oh. around covered in the blood of 800 police officers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when it's over, it cuts back in and there's just a little sweat on the screen that you can wipe away like Metro. <laughs> um, I thought it was cool to see Rapture high-res, but it felt like fan art to me yeah okay so i want to talk about that because that is like but the thing that uh, super relevant to the go ahead oh continue, continue oh if you've got other stuff to say go ahead no, no no keep talking there's okay there's like one of the most evocative bioshock images i had to look it up because i couldn't remember the artist's name it was a thing that 2k put out as promotional art for bioshock 2 they had they had like the bioshock artist series where they had um like the, I think the guy who made Invader Zim drew a yeah, really weird cartoony Vasquez thing. Stuff, um, yeah, yeah. I remember that. The like Shepard guys did Ferry one. did one or something. Yeah, Shepard Ferry did like... one. But there's a, an artist named Craig Mullen who did a piece oh, right. called 1959. Mm-hmm. That's this painting of basic of the Rapture 1959 New Year's Ball, and the way it's composed, it's it's like this really kind of awkwardly framed shot, but still ends up looking really graceful because at the at the base. Of it, like it's looking over a multi-tiered balcony, and you see people dancing, and they're sort of just uh, these like painterly abstract figures. And then the um, metal framework of Rapture goes up, and you can just see the city going off into the distance, but everything's lit up, and it's it still has the formidable feeling of Bioshock One, like everything still feels very industrial, but it also feels really beautiful and evocative. And that image to me, like better than anything else, encapsulated the feeling in my brain of what Rapture aspires to sort of right. as an aesthetic yeah. and uh-huh. as a place that, that uh-huh. people would want to live. But Bioshock Infinite, everything felt like it had just like been hit by um like a Looney Tunes bicycle pump. Like are you like talking a, about like, are you talking about Columbia or are you talking about the rapture of the DLC? I'm talking about Rapture and the DLC. Okay, and okay. It, it's, just it with yeah. Columbia that actually felt okay because it was a like dreamlike flying city right. in the clouds. Mm-hmm. But then going back into Rapture in Burial at Sea it just felt like it lost its edge. Mm-hmm. Like literally it felt like everything actually just was like 10% more Toontown. Like the, the scale of stuff didn't mm-hmm. feel real. The, the lighting had all of the very soft, smooth feelings. So, like it was cool to see everything up but it also felt like it was up by, by like, but through a prism that was off by 30 degrees. Maybe you're in an alternate reality of rapture. <laughs> Maybe you went through a rip to a more well lit a tear a tear i don't know it, that was a rip um <laughs> that was that was actually that was tough cuz i i don't know how to even talk about it with i just i'm a dorky rapture fanboy the rapture historian jake Rocker. i'm not a rapture historian but it's like the same like there well, i appreciate what you're the, saying the like the, the world building of bioshock infinite wow of bioshock 1 and um of the both half-life games like just buried themselves just deep inside of my soul and like aesthetic brain mm-hmm. in a way that few things have. And that's why I was so excited that they were going to do a, like, right. I think I talked about it on the podcast when you, when Rapture shows up at the end of infinite, I was kind of disappointed that it looked like they literally copy and pasted assets out of Bioshock one, because when I knew that the game was going, I was like, okay, cool. We're going to see, a slightly different take on this from this team. And then when they actually delivered that, it, it just didn't quite ring true to me. 
What's funny, yeah. but then when they, are, the, when they reinterpreted it for the DLC. That's that what I mean. That's when like I got, I got, they gave the, me what I asked for, but it was not what I wanted. Okay. That's what I, okay. That's the point you're making. Yes. Okay, um, yeah. Interesting. I so would basically, you just want to be conked in the head and not have played Bioshock one to four and then replay it for the first time ever. I don't, I feel that way with that game. Yeah, I that's, was yeah. fucking happy playing that game the entire time. Oh, yeah. the end, I wasn't. So yeah, happy, yeah but, uh, after that orphanage, you're not quite as happy, but um, yeah, yeah. okay with it. Uh, whatever. The the yeah, the experience of first playing that game is definitely special. Um, but I was less, I guess, explicitly conscious of that, Jake. Like I, I know what you're saying. Um, I think I was for looking sh- for a very specific thing. And that yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's you know, that's which, fair. I, I that was less. I'm a dorky fan. What do you? Yeah, you know, yeah. What that's, you gotta do. That, I mean, whatever. Like that's how you reacted to it. That's fine. Like I. I was less, I guess, struck by that. Um, but on a like weirdly parallel note, um, the game becomes really weird in like the final. It was a few hours long. It was definitely sounds like it was longer than the first episode. Um, the first episode was very short. Yeah, uh, which was which was nice. You know that it, that it was substantial. But it goes to a weird place where like the final act of the game ends up becoming the craziest, most comp- like bafflingly so comprehensive. So it defeats Infinite's main world. campaign for insanity? In a totally different way. It's a different thing. Like, this game takes all, like, it comprehensively, like, beat by beat, goes through all the story points of Bioshock 1 and, like, explains them or ties them into the, like, Infinite universe like the end of the DLC retcons all of Bioshock one's story. Yeah. Like in a thorough, in like a thorough way to the point where even moments that were that whose meaning and context was obvious in Bioshock one, like moments of environmental storytelling, like, um, um, like Su Chong being, you find his corpse and there's like a big daddy drill in it. And it's mm-hmm. like, he was doing experiments on little sister and big daddy pairing. It's like, this is very obvious what basically happened here. Um, they, they that is like even that moment where you completely could have pieced it together yourself is like note for note like explicitly spelled out. Okay, it but a it's strange. The, the thing that the thing that was obvious was still told as the obvious thing though. It wasn't like, oh, it turns out that what actually happened is a big daddy drill came in well, through a tear from another part, reality okay. and killed him. No, no. Okay, it doesn't ever. It doesn't. No, it doesn't ever do with anything like that. It doesn't like. It do, it does things that if you have swallowed the Bioshock games story so far it's not going to be like outside of the realm of possibility it's just it's just weird like they go through every single important like everything that happens it's like it's it's strange. so they're talking about uh sophia lamb there's and a parlor the room scene uh, where <laughs> no, I, about... yeah no bioshock 2 is not god if it ended a parlor scene that would be amazing here, the body of Dr. Su Chong. <laughs> what happened here, you may have asked. No, fuck that. You end it by walking through a terror and the parlor room scene takes place over Andrew Ryan's corpse in his office. <laughs> oh my god. That'd be fine. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, I want I want you to have struck by a golf club, perhaps. From you. Oh no, you're playing as a lady right now. Someone like you though. Oh man, they go oh, God, I can't even I can't say the things that they talk about because it is the most spoilery shit ever. But it it is it goes. Can we so, just put a it note goes right so here? much further than you think? Like, it's, can we just say right now we're going to spoil this content? No, because I don't want to. I don't want to actually. Oh my god. Okay. Well, we have to talk we'll about it, it sometime. Podcast, yeah. mm-hmm. Off the podcast. That's fine. 
Maybe later, right? I don't know. If people have a real The one-year like, anniversary of Buried at Sea. We can, we'll reveal the killer. Okay, I don't know. We can. Bring, I'm fine with bringing it up again, like next week or whatever no, we want. Fine. But like, no, I'm, I'm fine with it. I just want to talk to someone about it first to know if you think it's a good idea to do so. That's all I'm saying. I'm sure that it is. Okay. Well, whatever. Um, in any case, it was crazy. It was surprising as hell. It was super weird. And it that is the. It was crazy. It was surprising as hell. It was super weird. Was. You were your own like you were, montage. You were, yeah, trailer. you were three kids in like <laughs> it's the who, commercial. Who witnessed kids outside like, of the crime yeah. and came wh- running wh- back wh- to their wh- older like, brother? To each of them, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what you, all of you had like weird spiky kids haircuts, like from the man who wasn't there, and it was yeah, just a montage was, of like, Coen Brothers movie. There was a blondie, <laughs> freckles, and glasses yeah. all yeah. just in a row right there. Yeah, like. I don't know. It's just hard for me to talk about because of how it just kept topping itself. It it it's this probably wasn't intentional when this when this DLC was pitched, but it was definitely known by the time the DLC was finished. Like that was the last thing a rational will have ever made. Like in history, there, but when they found that out, there was no way they could have changed the content to like. Be a no, I'm not. More, I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm just saying it doesn't matter. Like, but it would be whether result, or not whether or not they knew when they started. When they when they ended, they're like, "Wow, this is what we're ending with." Yeah, like, it's th- like it's like sh- it it. I know. Okay, I know this is in all likelihood not the case, but it you can't. It's hard to play it knowing what happened to that studio and not feel like it's just like this is our last chance to ever address any of this stuff. So every single little bit of it is going in here now. But to play that, it, I don't that, feel like any of it needed to be That's weird, though, because when, sometimes yeah, when yeah. TV shows get canceled, they In fact, canceled, I think Bioshock 1 that. addressed more than it needed to inside of its own text. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, what, Jake? Oh, I said it's. it makes me wonder if they did become aware of that because that move is what lore-heavy television shows and comic it's series do like, when they're getting Arrested canceled. Arrested Development did that. Arre- yeah. Arrested yeah. Development found out halfway through the season they weren't coming back. But, they, like, yeah. but they didn't do a lore dump. They started, like... Bringing it's, stuff it's together like, and bringing people back and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I, it's it's I, so painful it, to watch. Yeah, it's it, so painful. You just want to. Arrested Development. Remember, it's remember it, a better it's, time. It's not. It's not worth even trying to yeah. su- like suppose as to what actually right. happened. No, but, I'm not trying to do that. I'm just yeah. saying the experience. It's of impossible to it. not read it that yeah, way because yeah. of, or at like, least to not social, think about it. Like, is of historical yeah. fact. Right. Yeah. Um. It's it's crazy. It's just. I, I would love to talk about it with you guys if you've played. I want you to have seen it to be okay. able to talk about it. Maybe like, I'll play it. I, it's it's just fascinating. It's a strange choice that that they someone made, um, and I I don't know. Like it makes me wonder what the and this is probably something that almost no one in the world can answer right now because it's I'm sure these discussions are happening like at all kinds of levels within Take Two, the larger publisher. But like, it makes me wonder like what is the plan for Bioshock in the future? Like what like it's this feels like such a. It feels if it spins that far out, though, they can just like tuck something new in underneath all no, they, of that. No, and no, just, no, that doesn't have to exist. It seems like no, no, the opposite, abs- though. It's sort of like like the wet bandits. You got to just sort of like flood everything and walk out so nobody can come like well, salvage this okay, or whatever. It's weird because part of the like the ending of Infinite is like this stuff infinitely ripples. Like that's why it's called Bioshock Infinite. Like there is, there is no one thread here. Like it could be anything, and it's still tech. It's not like any of that's different at at after, after the end of Burial at Sea, Burial at Sea Part Two. It's like that's still technically true, except that they they 
like really doubled down on being like these two specific ones are fully intertwined. Like, d- like fully intertwined. Not um, that one on a space station you're going to play in three years. Right. And not Bioshock 2, for example. Like, yeah. it's it's really like just doubling down on <laughs> the two irrational created Bioshocks. Like, that's what this story is about. That's what it feels like. Right. Kind of. It's weird. But there, but like fictionally, there still is all that other just multiverse. Fictionally, stuff. I mean, Moonshock they, is real. They, they could That's still just K make another Bioshock. So. They, they could easily still just make another Bioshock game and have it be totally consistent with the end of Infinite. Like whatever. It's so but, funny. I was listening to Brendan and Steve on Tone Control talk about the war, like when Steve. It's the thing that ended up on like Polygon or whatever. About mm-hmm. Steve being like, oh, oh, totally I'm sorry. Before you get into that, can I just oh, like yeah, say ahead. one more thing I liked about the Burlitzy, despite my like weird mixed feelings about it overall? You go to columbia in it and it's really nice because it isn't saddled with all of the like really you know like regardless of how you feel about infinite like that game has a like that game tackles a bunch of stuff that like uh, i don't you know we talked i don't want to rehash it because we already talked about that game a bunch like back when it came out but like it's kind of nice to be able to play that to like go to that beautifully realized, visually beautifully realized world and just kind of dip into it and then go out again. Like it's, it, that it was also kind of a relief. Like I talked about playing as Elizabeth and having like focus on combat really toned down. Like that was like a relief to me. And then also getting to just like dip your toe into Columbia and like beat your, in this underwater, crazy, um, confined space. And then you like burst out into Columbia for a bit. And you have like a little escapade there and then you go back and that felt like a really good um, reason for like change, like just pace wise, like for the change in the art mm-hmm. direction and this. And it didn't and it just you you didn't have to be mired in all the stuff that Infinite is mired in. Um, but anyway, so go, go ahead, John. Oh, no, it's the moment it's past. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Because I wasn't going to say anything good. <laughs> like. Well, now I'll fucking say it because I gotta yeah, fill yeah, the sorry. air. So Steve and Brendan on Tone Control, Brendan Chung, who made uh, Flotilla and Thirty Flights of Living, and Adam Zombie Smasher and the upcoming Quadrilateral Cowboy, uh, and Gravity Bomb, and Gravity Bomb, um, talked to Steve on his podcast Tone Control. Um, uh, tone Control at idlethumbs.net slash Tone Control. Good. So they were talking about oh, Steve brought up. They were talking about um, just sort mm-hmm. of disparate worlds from video games actually being set in the same universe and how they sort of like love that shit. And then Steve went off on his terror about how like technically in a totally non-litigious way, um, gone home is sort of in the system shock Bioshock universe and how he talked about how like the computer system and nervous den is called Rodan and blah, blah, blah stands for this stands for that. Blah, blah. And then the, what is it? Shodan and system shock. Is that right? The system, mm-hmm. how all these things connect and they like unpack all of it. And it's really fun to listen to Steve and Brendan talk about it. And at the end of it, I was like, man, I think they converted me. Like, I think I'm maybe into like really well done, like just goofy, thoughtful, goofy metaverse. But like, but there's a way to do that, though. Like, yeah, but this is the dark side of it. I feel like when people start to like sacrifice the quality of their entertainment experience to like package it all together to say like, here it is. It's all packaged up now. Like, it feels like the. And then it reminds me why I hate this shit. Why well, I hate because the difference between the way Brendan does it and the way like a modern kind of like mega million dollar franchise right. 
does it is that in Brendan's games. Well, I wasn't. I'm not talking about Brendan's games actually. No, like I, I was more talking about example. like I was more talking about like like. But Brendan is wholly responsible. Uh huh. You know, he is wholly. Yeah. Like he is. There is not even another person on his team who can be like, well, I actually added this thing to a level to mm-hmm. make these two things connect. Like there he is, is technically now, but I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Though. He has full control. Right. Whereas I feel like with this stuff, because of the scope of the product, it's not. So it's all these people working together. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes all of that works in concert to like codify a canon for no particular reason other than to codify it in a way that makes one or two people in the world generally at the top of the creative chain satisfied or people in the middle who like get away with it. And like, that's the stuff that I'm just like fucking tired of. Like, ugh, it drives me bonkers. No, totally. But like Brendan's thing is completely different. Brendan's thing is like more. So of, what like, was it about? So what's the what was it about Steve? That, yeah. You, you said, here's oh, a thing that's totally because different. Because they were talking about, it was just really exciting. It was like, it was intoxicating to listen to Steve talk about, system shock and bioshock in his games and like the like revelry they had for like or the way that they revered the creative content of games that had come before and how they're paying homage to it the games that they were making now or like steve i should say was making now and brendan was super into it he's like steve i love that you are into this shit because i'm into it too but Brendan was just saying he's into it as a consumer not necessarily as a creator i think he probably thinks of his stuff as non like it doesn't matter, but this is completely in like the System Shock Bioshock frame, like frame yeah. here. I have mixed feelings, about and I got it because... kind of like excited by the way they were talking about it, and then like I sort of like had a like a whole moment while you were talking about it here, and I'm like, no, I fucking hate this shit still. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm saying. Steve, I think it's fine if Steve like, yeah, it's totally fine if Steve just like gets jazzed about that. But yeah, like, yeah, the way oh, they were jazzed not, about it was so yeah, honest, and I totally, really appreciate it. And that's like that's it. rad, yeah. but it's not like a compelling thought to me that gone home is actually in the same universe as system shock. Like that's I also don't think me. that like, Steve thinks about it that literally. No, I, mean, no, I know. Like, he does, I know. I know that. Right, I just, right. Yeah. It's making, I, I, I think, but the, I, the reason that I wanted to, the reason when you mentioned fan art and you meant it in a different way than I, than what I mean now, but it's relevant still when you mentioned the version of Bioshock you saw in burial, let's see, burial, let's see, I can't say that word apparently anymore. Um, reminding you of like sort of a weird, like slightly off fan art version. That's kind of how I felt when all that w- with just the lore explosion at the end of, of uh, episode two, because it felt like the kind of thing that people who write fan fiction love the most, you know, which is like these universes are colliding and like, oh my God, it's Elizabeth and she's in rapture like right, oh, just, I love oh why would kids. this happen and then this happened oh it must be oh, because, because this 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 the, this and this, this day these two people were in the same room and they both saw this thing happen and like oh my god that would explain so much in this theoretical like version of reality where these two things yeah. are actually the same like and i i don't really like that kind of thing i guess i don't like it because it draws um, attention away from the the actual the actual like i was thing that was being said in the in the individual text right themselves yeah, yeah for sure um, like it, it, it feels like a, like a, like a side circus event. Like it feels like a sideshow. Like it's right. It doesn't feel like the actual thing that, that what the thing was supposed to be about in the first place. Um, cause every, because almost all crossover fiction is kind of about the same thing, which is like, wouldn't it be cool if these things crossed over? And it's like, they might still be about, they might still have interesting things to say but and 
like the res- the combination might have interesting interesting things to say, but then by becoming a combination, it kind of devalues from the individual like creative um, self sufficiency of the things that they were. Like I don't mind crossover fiction. It just feels like when things that when something that's created that when a piece of fiction that is created as a standalone piece of fiction tries on the tail end or at any moment to sort of like intertwine itself back like to create it to create the idea of crossover fiction i hate it like yeah. if you're gonna make crossover fiction just fucking say you're making crossover fiction don't like try to like tell a personal story and then spend all your like calories and audience attention on showing how all the things are connected so what well i feel like that is has become a weirdly powerful force in genre fiction in the last like decade or so like there's this yeah. like obsessive drive to like tie things together because in doing so you can create a bigger franchise right <laughs> like, well some can... franchises franchises are just like are just like from day one x-men was a conglomerate like, yeah uh-huh. you know like it feels like whatever the avengers was a conglomerate like at least has been for long maybe not originally but has been long enough now that we just associate them all together mm-hmm. so like fine whatever let those things be the way they are but that uh, i just hate that other everything has to go through that fucking grinder i think like, it's also the soap operaization of stuff i mean people yeah as as television becomes a more powerful storytelling if, force, if like, you're a casual viewer of stuff you probably watch it for occasional zingers and plot because you can catch up on plot you can follow plot and like the whole marvel movie universe is basically the most expensive soap opera tv show ever made like i don't know it's uh, but, I don't. The first thing I don't mind, like things tying together, but I mind it when it, like, it becomes the goal of tying them together becomes the 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 intent of the of the piece. Sure. Like it's like now we're literally just spending screen time to tie these things together, as opposed to having them being tied together be a happy byproduct of a different intent we have. If that makes sense. So you're saying you don't like the Avengers? I don't care about the fucking Avengers. <laughs> I couldn't give a fucking shit. I know we'll spiral off into space if we. I start tried to watch the Avengers. Avengers actually, I tried. Oh, I really liked the Avengers, so I wouldn't even. Know. Oh, I don't even. You it hate was it, a Chris. bad moment for me. It made me feel not good, not because the movie's bad or because of anything, but because I figured I'd like it, and then when I didn't like it, I felt bad about myself, and I felt like an asshole for not liking it. The wow. end. I couldn't figure out why it was better than other things <laughs> like it's so successful right like the avengers is what a top five movie of all time now it's is it really it's crazy successful i think the avengers top is 10, it's, maybe? it's like i mean i don't want to who cares Just i think go. it boils down to the fact that it's a movie about a lot of people working together to do something good it's the, it's a superhero movie that doesn't have a bunch of like grim dark bullshit in it it's just like it's an it's a reasonably positive movie that also happens to have a lot of expensive action and witty dialogue Maybe in it I'll try. huh do you like it i do but i don't know if you guys would like it i'll try it again for you jake i don't think you'd like it um whatever um well never mind man i keep wanting to get back to stupid rapture conversation for no reason because you i was i was gonna leave it and then you talked about fan art again eh, it's fine whatever <sighs> we got a robot fucking robot. fucking the robot sorry i was gonna say the best piece of reader mail ever because it was actual mail that showed up in the fucking robot news fucking the robot (laughs) whoa what well well we have a robot 
we are in possession of a double in, robotics. Double. Double. Double, yeah. We're in transient possession. This is basically a, like, self, self-sufficient self segue that you put an iPad into the top of, which then becomes a head of a person remotely controlling it with a webcam. Anywhere in the world. And a piece of software. Anywhere in the world. And they... Their face just is like hangs out on this iPad on top of this robot. This like it's just two-wheeled like a robot. With wheels. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's what I said. That's why I call it like a Segway. And it just the person on the other end can just talk to you and roll it, control it, roll it around, and raise the head up and down, and just walk around, like roll around your office and like be there. It's crazy. We have uh, Nels Anderson, uh, who works remotely, has is just on was just on that thing most of today, like wheeling around and saying hi. Yeah. It was, I love it's it. It's amazing. It's like the best. I love it. I really like it a lot. It's crazy. I just it's became like very natural to interact with yeah. Nels in this form. Mm-hmm. It was really fucking weird. Yeah, it's it's oh. weird because I've I've been kind of enamored with and admittedly kind of made fun of telepresence robots for a long time since I saw a video for one a couple years ago because they look hilarious, but they also like telepresence robots now kind of fit into the same place in my brain as like overt user interface in right. games where like when you watch someone else interact with one, it seems insane. But assuming you don't let yourself get super, like if you don't think about it all the time, your brain slips over it and there's just a, a human You're presence near you. It's fucking to weird. A human entity. Until like, it, it disconnects was... or the iPad runs out of batteries. But or, that's so jarring, or right? Starts, when, like, yeah. when he had to like go feed his dog or something, he's like, oh, there's a dog. Like, what is going on? Oh, <laughs> uh, there's a Canada's in that hole where that face was. Oh, like, that's weird. Yeah. But uh, it was it was uncomfortable for the first two minutes. And then Nels just walked over to where I was sitting at the counter working. Rolled, rolled over. over. Like, and just was like, hey, dude. And I was like, hey, man, like, I'm just kind of let me just do this thing. and I'll do the thing in a second. And then he's like, and like motored away. <laughs> and I went, I just had the Nels interaction in my I brain. would have if I. Yeah. It was odd. It was fucking cool. <laughs> I really dug it. This is how it starts, though. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. First, you let them into your home. Yeah, this yeah. is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. It's not good. Like Nels at one point just like sent to us by disconnected reader, and was you. just not there anymore. And, you know, there's like a part of you that thinks that maybe one day this is just going to be the robot just kicking him out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the thing has no AI that we're aware of. Yeah, that second part's important. It has a light that turns blue and green on the base. One day it might turn red. It does turn red. (laughs) It does turn red, but it doesn't doesn't turn like deep red. It doesn't do a pulsing red. It doesn't do howl red. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's in the Pantone book somewhere. (laughs) But yeah, I know it was sent to us by a reader because we've we've read a couple of her emails about this robot uh, in previous episodes, and it just showed up. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's cool. I really like it a lot. Yeah, it made working easier. It's so dumb. It really did, though. <laughs> it made work. Sean Venom and Campo Santo like italic robots font. On they the do front of robots it. make work. They do kind of make work easier. <laughs> dot dot dot. Cut to montage of 5,000 robots across the world. And my bones. All just <laughs> Your bones are being carried away by coconut crabs. By coconut crabs. They were <laughs> like Amelia Earhart's slowly bones. cracking them open, <laughs> sucking out the marrow, and turning the rest of me to dust. To sea dust. 
Coconut crabs? Yeah. They leave behind just Coconut enough bones. Coconut crabs are like the are like the army slash worker drones for the robots. Can I ask where the coconut crab thing came from? Nels this morning just posted a coconut crab image into the chat. And, and then we're like, what? Those like look like zerglings. Huge crabs. It does. It looks like a pig. It's a piglet-sized crab. Mm-hmm. It's a crab the size of Who, a Labrador. That apparently are responsible for like carrying off and possibly consuming like half of Amelia Earhart's remains. <laughs> That's the going theory. That is the. Ba- I don't know. Like that feels a. Let's feels a little suspicious. What do you mean suspicious? Like, it's just, like I, 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 I don't know. That theory sounds like somebody came up with that. And it's my actually... favorite theory because it has enough credibility that if it is true, it is the best. <laughs> There's no way of ever knowing. They found a partial skeleton. They found some navigation equipment, which had the serial number of her navigator. And they found a fuckload of coconut crabs who are known to do things like eat, like harvest de- dead things and steal bones to put in their nest. They have nests. They have a crab home. Really? Apparently. They, they molt every, like, yeah, once a year, and they have to, like, create a burrow to protect themselves. Oh, my God. So there could be a coconut crab burrow that has uh, Amelia Earhart's, like, femur in it. We can only hope. We talked a lot about how they're hermit crabs uh, when they're younger. My wife is named after Amelia Earhart, so it really makes me. This whole thing is just sort of not. <laughs> Your wife's bones will be carried away. I mean, okay. <laughs> Her God. final wish. Their bones to be, to be buried carried in. away. Think, think, right, but if you're gonna... Okay, here's the thing. I can't wait. Famous globe-trotting aviator. Sure. If you're gonna go, at least go on a weird unknown island <laughs> when your bones are then carried away by crabs and buried. If you're They're gonna go... Giant crabs. crabs. If you're giant gonna go crabs. out as like a notable adventurous type, at least... Have your bones carried away by giant coconut this is crabs. Why not, this is why I know. I These are Amelia Earhart's giant enemy crabs. It's what she they would have They attacked wanted. her weak spot. <laughs> <laughs> she died as she lived. With her bones Ripped being... apart by crabs. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I don't know. Coconut crabs. They're so gross. Look up coconut crabs. Do yeah. not search. You know what happened? Do not search for coconut crab garbage can. Do not search for goatsy. fucking put the photo of the coconut crabs in the team chat to inoculate us from how terrifying introducing a robot into our lives was <laughs> because we're like holy fuck there's it's the size of a dumpster it's just eating that and then like oh excuse me robot you're not scary this is scary <laughs> well it's like fucking scanning then our we bodies watched, then we watched a robot play threes and oh my god that just makes me think what if the like fucking impossibly patient and calculating AI that controls threes is controlling Nels. Is just, <laughs> Gosh, if I just so like, I put been, that in, a, oh. in one of these fucking robots and give it like it takes a snapshot of the room and figures out the optimal position. Saw, right? <laughs> like, I was yeah. so I play a lot of threes. Yeah, I know you do. And the idea of you, me play, you sitting, probably have played more threes than I ever have. Yeah, I've played a ton of threes. The idea of me sitting at my desk like no, oh, let's turn my iPad on for a little threes action and sitting there just sort of like and then just feeling like a little a little nudge on my shoulder mm-hmm. and it's the it's the double robotics telepresence robot and it's like push up <laughs> like, left right and it's just like slowly nods it's weird like trundly yeah. nod yeah. like oh my god it's up <laughs> god that's my favorite part about it is that because it needs it to only, stay up it needs to stay up but it only has one axle and it has so gyroscopes it, yeah it has it gyroscopes yeah. to keep it up 
And so when it kind of stops and is like looks finding like its, its footing, it, has it just kind of like looks like it's breathing because it's slowly compensating very, very tiny amounts back and forth just, yep. to balance. It it's nice little crazy idol. looking. Yeah, it's cool. That robot showing up with just an iPad that has because when no one's logged into it, mm-hmm. you see its camera view inside of it. But if if it you look if you look up into it and no one's there, but it's looking down at your iPad, so you see your threes game in its view. And then sort of just a little like hazy analog static version of the tile sliding to the left happens. <laughs> you do that and then it just waits for a second. And I get the 3084 tile or whatever Yeah, but because you're, you're just following its instructions. And then the next image that comes up is not threes, but it still has the staticky thing showing you what to do. And then there's a splash <laughs> of blood on the iPad. No, no, it's just telling you. To do oh, something like, else, yeah, right, right, right. Like, look Slide what I've my done. chair over and yeah. like instantly push somebody into it, like a right. A look what you've done. Look, look, look what us working together has done to your threes game. <laughs> yeah. Now imagine what else we could do together. <laughs> the presidency. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! If you're Manchurian you candidated by the double robotics remote telepresence AI that doesn't exist. Running mate, double robotics. <laughs> no, my vice president is just lives in a different country. Double Roboto. <laughs> Star Wars character. My vice president lives in a different country. Can vice presidents do that? Can they be born? <gasps> My vice president lives in exile. They couldn't have been born in another country, but they could live it. Like if I thought I'm, the vice president the can th- be born in another country, but the president can't. Really? So that means that means the president does not have to have been born in this country. Because I think that it's like a weird loophole. I'm almost... As someone huh. who wasn't born in this country, I've looked into this. I could be... <laughs> As someone who wasn't born in this country, because at one point I was in the ninth grade, and everybody's like, "Anybody in this room can be president." And I'm like, "I can't. Sorry, I don't think so." I'm like, but you could be secretary treasurer. <laughs> yeah, the line of succession. Exactly. I could be you like King Ralph secretary the of the presidency. interior. <laughs> and the NORAD could explode. Yeah, right, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, though the thing I was thinking was that the robot would have manufactured a like fictional vice presidential candidate. Who is constantly on its screen, but the store like the line is that this person just he's lives, just in Canada right lives now. In Canada he's elsewhere, but he's does he actually does not exist. Is yeah, what you're saying? Right. He's a construct. Okay, yeah. but, but then you... have to, that character would also have to be kind of like a down home kind of good old boy. That would be the character, the robot. I can see Joe Biden like, being a construct that lives yeah, only on a computer. That's like what I mean. I mean, he's not. It would Joe ruin Biden's some of his charm. Guy, but like he wouldn't be able to take off that scarf that. with such vim, but. Yeah, but like that that kind of archetype. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this okay, we now have in fact crafted the exact situation that a malevolent remote telepresence robot would create for you, where it says, "We're going to be president and vice president, and I'm going to be Joe Biden, your vice president." And you're like, "I'll do whatever you say, robot." <laughs> oh my god! Until you don't if wake Joe up. Joe Biden showed up on that fucking double tomorrow. But yeah, what, I would. What do if anything. it's not him? Thanks for the help, Who knows? Sean. If I thought it was Joe Biden, I can't. Be, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't be held responsible for anything I do. You could make evil Joe Biden TV screen Joe Biden become our first double president. Double I would do anything for Joe Biden. Double president is also the bad name of this. <laughs> what I would do about? anything for Joe Biden in three D or two D representation. Um, Except open his fucking emails that he sends me all the fucking time. <laughs> I know. I get so many of those. Oh God. One of those emails. Was was, the, <laughs> was was actually the, from Joe? It was the b-ball invite, and you missed it. <laughs> oh my god! Now you're gonna be searching I'm through so, your archive. Uh, yeah, I, I I had like a half step there. Where I went. That's not that could have never. Happened. 
You got so that email from Joe. Like, let's just go throw a ball around. Oh my god, playing catch with Joe Biden. Oh, so good. I actually couldn't play Barack. I can't. I could never play basketball against Barack Obama. He would fucking take me to the to the house. Whoa. I've come around on that since I broke my leg. I realize I have no ups. <laughs> it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. I'm what just are we eating about? snacks over <laughs> here. I know you're just indulging the nature box. Huh? That's why it's here, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Did anyone want to talk about the threes robot? I mean, <laughs> the threes robot is incredible. We should tell. Okay, we should talk about it just to tell okay. people who don't know about the threes robot. So right. threes iOS game we've talked about a lot. We've probably talked about Doge twenty forty eight more than threes, which is our choice. Uh, I don't think we have. It's one of our choices. Doge twenty forty eight has been like three games discussed. Yeah, but it's it's usually just a jokey reference, and then we put it in the description. Once, only once did I actually say anything substantial about it. Anyway, go ahead. It's in this episode's description as well. See? Um, <laughs> you're right. Case made. Anyway, I've forgotten the names of the people involved. In Threes? No, no in, threes in, in Threes Robot. I can't remember the person who made the actual AI. The robot parts were made by Matthew Wegner. Um, I can't remember the name of the guy who actually wrote the Threes AI. Right. Matthew, controlling Matthew Wegner is... It's a video game. They also are making video games. Yes. Well, Matthew Wagner is. He's the guy making Aztez. Yes, Aztez, which you can see at PAX East. Maybe that guy's involved as well. I'm not sure. Yeah, but he previously uh, was he like the Velociraptor off-road safari and stuff. Yeah, like that? he was one of the Blurst guys. Okay. Yeah. But so and like made the like flashbang. They made like the IGF backend. If anyone's used that, right? But, oh my god, he made that. Yeah. IGF backend. But really cool. these these two guys have made. An, a an AI to play threes and the necessary robot hands to interface with it on an iPad. I didn't like, like when like I finger paddles. Yeah, but like, when, when I heard that servo control. When I heard that there was a Twitch stream of uh of a threes bot playing threes, I had thought that like they were running it in an emulator or that they were yeah. doing something where it was just or like they had a hacked build or like something injecting commands into the software yeah, somehow. But Instead, the way that the system actually works is the camera that's streaming it seems like it takes a, an image of what it's looking at, rebuilds digitally the actual threes board based on the image that it sees, then calculates hundreds of thousands of potential moves, and then a little robot paddle slides the tile. And yep, it's fucking fascinating to watch because of how long it takes between moves. It takes longer than any person will yeah. ever take. It demonstrates why... I will never be as good as this game as the robot is because when you say hundreds of thousands of moves, that's kind of counterintuitive because you think, well, there's only four maximum four moves available every turn, except what it's doing is it is looking, it is calculating the next move after that. And the next move after that potentially, because it knows what the next tile is going to be. And it knows that the next tile is drawn from a deck of 12 possible next, next tiles. And as it like gets to the end of that deck of 12, it can predict with higher and higher reliability what the next tile is going to be, or it has a higher likelihood of guessing what it's going to be, which means fewer simulations to run. Like if if it's already used nine out of the current deck of 12 tiles, it only has to branch out three like forward looking branches, however many fucking thousands of combinations might occur. Um, but it just crunches all those numbers and it's fucking patient about it and it just does it. It only takes a few seconds, but it's longer than I usually wait in a, in a 
game of threes. And I know that I'll, my brain will never be able to look more than like one or maybe two moves ahead in that it game. Also, it ever. also, not being a human means is not tempted by the AV. Exactly. Which, that is the craziest part of it. That has taught me a lot about how to play threes, though, and about my thinking about it, where you watch like 296 tiles on the board, and you're like, Join those. You can join them. Join them. Join them. Join them. Join them. Put them together, and it will not. It will not even <laughs> the like the robot does not care. Even if they're the like, robot. if they're diagonal from each other, yeah. but you know that it's one swipe to put them next to each other, then another swipe to join them. It won't do it, and then it will put them next to each other, and it's like, and then the two fucking faces on the tiles look at each other and smile and yep. start like being wacky, and you're like, oh, yep. it's jumping around. Look, they want to be joined. Combine. But it it obviously reveals if that slide exists. Doing that is obviously the least optimal move right now because you're guaranteed for that move to exist until it's the last possible move you can make. Right. Like, at absolute worst case, that huge scoring slide is going to sit there. So you should probably do less immediately beneficial, right. like, board building. Yeah. It, and it, watching the robot do that, you're just like, oh, I'm an idiot. It's, yeah, the robot will set up crazy situations even when there's, like, low-hanging fruit all over the place. The robot is patient. Like the robot, the robot is patient. It is. It reveals why we're fucked because the robot doesn't care about the short term gain. Right. The robot is actually like the like Jason Voorhees or yeah. Terminator of yeah. threes, where it's just silence. Yep. Slide. I will. This is relentless. I will just keep going at this pace until yep. it has like designs within designs. Like you know, inside of its brain, it's actually seeing the board in red, and it at the top has the six best threes players. Like there's like you said, you said there are six <laughs> humans who are better at threes. Well, I don't than know. If, I don't know exactly how that falls. But there's only number. like six people who have ever who have who've seen the a tile, tile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. higher than the robot has reached. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe the robot ended up reaching it. I actually don't know. I need to look look this up. Those six people are dead now. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah like it, it's a crazy thing to watch because it really. It drives home how much of the way that we, um, like, instinctively look for patterns and want it, feedback to validate us is controlled have by no long term planning. Yeah, and have zero long term planning. Or even if you if think robots were in well, charge okay, this is of the fuck's fixing climate change, it would be fucking done already. Yeah, of course it would. <laughs> They're like, oh, just minimize the output of this, increase the input of that, remove these two billion see in, people, see in forty nine years, yeah, right, bitches, yeah. and it'd be over. <laughs> Well, robots would also just be like, turn off all refrigerators, kill all humans. Yep. Global warming solved. <laughs> yeah, ex- 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 <laughs> did it. Exactly. Optimal solution found. You are removed. Yep. Even within the rule set of not killing people, I think the robots could figure it out. That robot would be itching at the edge of that rule, though. Well, it would yeah. be curbing behavior. It would be making humans less healthy, for certain. Right. <laughs> I found out that I could solve... Your comforts, solve your life comforts warming. would decrease If we just up pollution and reduce safety standards in these areas it will temporarily increase global warming but in the long term my forecast determined that it will in fact solve <laughs> yeah, the problem some crazy like yeah mom that's because that's because it will in fact just kill the people. air will become nitrogen and most of us will die <laughs> <laughs> but it'll self-correct in four eons <laughs> right exactly the robot is patient yeah. yes <laughs> yeah like i i don't know it's fascinating to watch the only time like you know what's funny Back to the double robot real quick for a second. It's like self-correcting um, gyroscopic balance mechanism that sort of makes it look like it has a breathe idle actually makes me not afraid of it. It makes me super afraid of it because I think that it's, it. I oh, know really? looking yeah. at it. Oh, okay. My it, animal brain says like, oh, that thing's alive. So right. if, it okay. gets, if there's trouble, I I have a tool bag I can go to to that eliminate is, a living threat. That happens where first. Where if it's just sitting there completely fucking still and then turns 
and then moves forward with no sort of like I'm balancing. I'm fig. I have I have to respond to gravity same as you. I laugh then, at it when it trips over a cord. Right. Because my brain tells me that I'm superior to it. <laughs> you are not. I know. But that's the thing. I see it wobbling around and I know that's not making it tired. But then I think it, <laughs> it actually is, though. is. It has a battery. It has a battery. Mm-hmm. But then I think about the fact that that's kind of irrelevant because it comes from a machine that could build more of it and that machine will not get tired. <laughs> so I don't go that far. <laughs> I was only saying that it tricks my brain into thinking that it's something that I could deal with. It has a little organic if movement because it, it has to deal with real life. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's organic movement endears it to me in a weird way. Whereas the threes robot is is different. It is a number crunching super machine. The threes robot versus how human beings play threes is is interesting because I think the first thing that all of us started talking about when we saw the threes robot was chess AI because yeah. chess AI is like that's the popular. Can a computer have a brain that can best right. a human? And it's interesting because chess... has been like a push, historic, like in recent history. Yeah. Like but computers beat humans about equal The way times. that human beings play chess, though, is to think about it very similarly to how AI thinks about threes. Like when, you're, when right. you, as a human, are an amazing chess player, you are just looking at the board and your brain is drawing out as many possible moves, counter moves uh, as you can. Right. And that's how... Like the threes AI robot works, but that's not how a human being plays threes because... When I was saying that robots could solve climate change, also a team of chess masters could do it as well. <laughs> With probably would just It probably turns out a team of scientists could and already have solved climate no, change. I don't believe... I choose not to believe that's that. That's true. <laughs> that's true that you choose that. Whatever. In the pockets of the UN or somebody. Follow the money. Wake up, sheeple. You guys but, want to do some I don't know. It's, yeah. it's interesting that... Watching a threes robot play threes and do as well as it does is a metaphor for no. It's not. It's not, a, it's not a metaphor for anything. It's just. It's just interesting. I definitely made me feel like a animal watching it be so successful at a game that I've struggled to be good at. It's. It's just funny that chess exists and that that does have game uh, like the high level of that has human beings who think about chess yeah. entirely. The way that that robot was thinking about threes. It's because my failure at threes is always because I made an impulsive move. I made the fucking, oh yeah, pair those things up, of course. And then I'm like, and I know I'm two moves away from being done. Like I always know two moves away that I'm fucked. And right. That's the thing that kills threes me Threes is about perpetually threes. the, put a kid in a room, put With the one cookie, cookie in front of him and say, when I come back, you get two. If, if you yeah, eat yeah. it, you get no more. You always Have you seen those videos. Yeah, we talked about them on the oh, podcast, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you always, you always eat the cookie. cookie. Oh, you God. always get the bit. You're like, oh, it's God. it's also a short. You don't ter- trust. There's another cookie. It's also it's short term. Yeah, short term rewards in exchange for long term viability. Because like, if I match these now, I'm at least gonna get. 6,000 points probably. Well, it's I'm still a long-term it. strategy, right? Where, like, the animal that says, eat a cookie whenever it's presented to you. In That's a, not a long-term In a reality strategy. where there's always, like, there could always be cookies presented to you will live the longest, right? Where it's just, like... That sounds like insane. Pa- but, I, of course it's insane, but, like, like the patient pack animal just starves to death, right? That's why sure. like, lions and dogs, like, go crazy when, the, when they're on a kill. It's not good. I don't like it. It makes me feel bad. I gotta have that cookie. You gonna give me some of those? Give me some of those nominals. Oh, don't do that. (laughs) People put this in their ears. I don't want any of those. I was kidding. I really don't want them. I really love the Nature Box snacks, but I don't want them right now. 
You got to stop eating all this on the air. You got plenty of nature box to eat when we're done. It's gross to hear that in your ear. Uh, you guys want to do some email? Yeah. Let's do the one. Patrick Rappel. The yeah. one Patrick. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Rappel says, a few notes on comedy. Hey, guys, love the show. Just a few points on comedy mentioned in the last episode. Sean, the Gottfried example of the 9-11 joke you brought up was at the Hugh Hefner roast, but I think you may be thinking about the response to his tweet about the Japanese tsunami that brought outrage and lost him his Aflac commercials. The general way the joke about 9-11, which was something along the lines of, I'm sorry I'm late, my plane took a detour in the building and was not aired on TV, has been contextualized, is as a sort of sharp relief by the comedy community. The transgressiveness of the joke, contextualized by the aristocrats' joke that followed it, was sort of a message to the comedy community, whose industry is heavily centered on New York City, that it's okay to laugh about their grief the same way they tend to deal with all grief. Obviously, the key difference between a New Yorker making a 9-11 joke right after it happens and the joke about the Japanese tsunami right after it happens is context. Uh, then he goes on. Eddie Mur- I wasn't conflating the two, but I appreciate it being outlined the way it was. Yeah. Eddie Murphy Delirious is the radically homophobic one. Eddie Murphy Raw is the radically misogynist one. Murphy was never a political comedian the way Pryor or Rock or CK are, but his contribution, much like the first couple of seasons of South Park before it got satirical, was to assault the tyranny of good taste. Murphy was aiming at the moral majority mentality with vulgar glee. I think that's significantly different than, say, Chris Rock's signature bit, black people versus blank, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the same ballpark as progressive, whether politically or through attitude, cultural forces. Um, I really like assault the tyranny of good taste as a sentence. Yeah. This is some good rhetoric in this email. He goes on. Matt Stone is Jewish, and the character of Kyle is, or at least was in early seasons, a specific depiction of what it's like to grow up Jewish in Colorado. The idea that all these kids' classes are based on personalities, fighter, wizard, whatever, but the other one is just defined by religion or ethnicity feels like a pretty amazing expression of that. Uh, he goes on. I D- agree. Dave Barry was God a newspaper columnist who wrote a humor piece five days a week for over a decade. I don't care if 90% were dumb or cheesy. That's impressive as hell. Most of his books were just collections of the best of those pieces. That's fine. I wasn't dumping on I Dave took Barry. a dump I on Dave Barry. I, really I was care. the one who did it. I don't care one way or the other, but... Um, he says, if you're interested in the combination of suburban kid boredom and RPG elements in the South Park game, I would suggest Dungeon Quest. It's from an older perspective than South Park High School, but it basically feels like a potent mix of the Smashing Pumpkins 1979 video, 70s underground comics, and D&D. Um, also, do you have an internal rule about not picking episode titles from little interstitials in between main segments? Because piercing the fourth dimension is good, but that gazoo run netted a dozen amazing potential episode titles. Your friend and mine, Patrick Ripoll. We generally don't choose episode titles from the interstitials. That's not always true. I don't think we we generally don't. I think we have a hard. I think we probably go to the main content of the podcast first. At least I do when I'm pitching episode titles. If we must, no. I need you back. I've been writing descriptions five episodes in a row. It's too hard. Yeah, it's not fun. I don't like it. (laughs) That's fine. I'll write the one for this one, or will I? I think the reason that we don't end up picking episode titles from the interstitials usually is because. Because we don't know that the interstitial content is going to make it into the show, yeah. and we end up Chris surprises. We end up yeah. sort of because well, me- I don't know either. I actually just yeah. listen and see yeah. if any of it. I always take mental notes of a weird thing that someone said or a weird concept that could become yeah. an episode title, and just sort of file it away and then right. fail to remember it. But it's always from the stuff that I am like, this is obviously part of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. like we basically never edit out the stuff, like actual podcast content. The only stuff that gets picked and chosen is stuff that happens when the when we're on break. Like that's effectively off mic, but yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But are close enough to the mic for it to be audible. Dot com slash wizard. That is not that's a not sponsor this episode. Thing, that's, no. We're editing that out. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Call thanks us. for the email, Call. Patrick. Right? Call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for the email or and the forum that, that was in. The software thing is interesting. There were a lot, people had like, 
really strong reactions to mm-hmm. things said about South Park in the last yep. episode. Like some people really find that show that is an ugly fucking show. Yeah, yeah. Like and people had really good reasons for why in some cases and other people were defensive of it. And I thought that was really interesting. And one of the things also that occurs to me is that um that is a show with a lot of episodes and it would probably be yeah. really easy to be like, well they handled something really well in this episode that I remember. Or vice and, versa. And, or vice versa. And then right the next half dozen episodes have some just really fucking shitty shit in them. Like that show has what, hundreds of episodes? I don't know. Yeah. Almost it's, over three hundred. Over three hundred episodes. Three hundred episodes? Yep. No Almost way. positive. How could that be? <laughs> that show's only been on since nineteen ninety eight or something. <laughs> a million Date yourself with that Wayne's World reference. Well, reference humor. Huh. That wasn't a Wayne's World. It was. Yeah. Well, it was. That sound effect did not mean that until Wayne's World. Actually, I well, do want to... Fuck me. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I want to read one other one other email on this subject, actually, because I, I appreciated it. Okay. Um, and then we can we can wrap it up. Benjamin Riley says, Hi, guys. It's always an amazing podcast. I just got a Kickstarter email with my digital songs, Backer Rewards. And once I remembered what it was actually referring to, I got excited. That's a little bit of a slight deserved burn on us there. Um, a, a couple of thoughts on your discussion in episode 152 about South Park and the politics of comedy. As a gay man working as a journalist for an LGBTI newspaper, offense is something I have to think about a lot. Um, first of all, I think media literacy is relevant to these discussions. It's a dangerous road to say an individual, let alone a society, can reach a point of media literacy or awareness at which the potential harms of certain cultural representations are overcome. At an individual level, it is naive at best and arrogant at worst to suggest anyone can be free from the influence of culture and that at any level of awareness or literacy, we can be completely aware of the effects of that influence. In short, awareness of culture does not equal exemption from culture. If we can't have that awareness at an individual level, there's no way we can at a social one. We have to make informed decisions about cultural consumption and sanctioning of culture based on possible harms to ourselves and others. That's not to say all offensive comedy is bad. Clearly, there's a place for pushing boundaries. But to take Sean's Lenny Bruce example, awareness of his apparent social progressiveness can't be assumed. And even if it could be, we can't assume the mitigating effects of that knowledge on the impact of, for example, homophobia in his comedy on ourselves or anyone else. But we can guess they won't be great. My second point is a bit less existential. To look at Lenny Bruce, it's fine to argue his intentions should inform the impact on us of his homophobia. And of course, context is important. Even assuming we're operating in that context, people in the group being marginalized will bring a context people outside that group can't really understand on some level. Of course, we all bring our personal context to culture. But if you're talking about an identifiable group like gay men, it's more straightforward. I'll admit I struggled a bit hearing Sean, a straight man, arguing Bruce's homophobia was more tolerable because he is known to have had progressive views on homosexuality. I'm a smart guy, and I like to think my media literacy is pretty high, but it's only relevant to a point. When I hear certain words or comments or jokes, my reaction is somatic. It hurts. In a way, people outside my community are unable to understand no matter how well-intentioned. But like Sean's face in Lenny, faith in Lenny Bruce, I know you guys constantly create a gay-friendly podcast and very importantly are open to dialogue with readers like me in particular. It's always rad to hear Danielle Rendo on the cast. I didn't mean to write so much. I hope I didn't come off like I have nothing good to say. Um, the fact that you're having these discussions on a video game podcast is a fantastic thing. Keep up the good work, Ben. Melbourne, Australia. I thought that representation and like just the physical part of the of like reacting to stuff like that. I thought that was a mm-hmm. totally like valuable perspective. Yeah. We got. Um, well, what else you got? Like, I'll just. I'm not going to read any more of these emails because we're. It's, I think we got to cut it short at this point. But like. We got a ton of emails on this. It would be impossible to like do justice to the breadth of responses last week's episode got. So like, I, it's just impossible. But the if you're interested in talking about this with other Idle Thumbs readers who have interesting things to say about it, the episode thread for episode 152 on the Idle Forums 
is like has already become i think one of the like the top three most discussed threads yeah and it's really good that's the thing like it's it's actually really really good discussion yeah it's Um, busy it's got some like actual divergent opinions it's uh, yeah people are really thoughtful in there it's good so if you're interested in discussing that stuff more that's a good place to do it or wherever else but that's a good place related to this podcast yeah um I think we're probably done, but because this episode is once again the plug zone where plugs rule, apparently. We need your help. We need your help. Yeah. We have no idea what to <laughs> put in our store. You can't even make this a, an appeal. An appeal? <laughs> yeah, <you can. laughs> because the plugs that are plugs rule, help us. Uh, we've set up a store help. selling Idle help. Thumbs help branded me. merchandise. Help. We need your help. Time to die. We d- How are we going to know what shirt color to print next? How the fuck are we going to know, Jake? <laughs> Fucking tell me. Are How are we going to know? This is like the turn of the Swedish orphan. What's going on here? <laughs> Polish, orphan. Polish orphan. Watch it. There are no Swedish orphans. No, fair enough. They all just fucking live a happy-go-lucky life in chocolate factories and ski towns and they Somewhere eat a Swedish fish. man is having a somatic reaction. To yeah. This podcast. Yeah, well, as an Where American the, man. Oh, so this is, yeah, right? This is classic, classic safe racism, John. I know. Taking down the Swedes. Fuck the Swedes. I said it. Wow. God. Uh, anyway, we but give us money. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What? All I wanted to talk about was a store because that the guy's email talked about our Kickstarter rewards finally is shipping to people after a long ass time. Sorry, we shipped a lot of them earlier. Ingmar Bergman, good Swede. Go on. <sighs> what are you doing? You're putting it somewhere. This podcast, Sweden. The RSS feed is not accessible in Sweden. I talked to Doug about it. We're cool guys. <laughs> Christ. Anyway, we had this thing put together a long time ago, and for various reasons, it most of them are us dragging our feet at every single step of the way. Um, we finally put up the Idle Thumb store. It's at store.idlethumbs.net. It has. Um, if you were interested in any of the stuff that we sold uh, as Kickstarter rewards, they're now actually up for sale. The, those blue t-shirts, the shitty wizard posters or art prints by Graham Edible, um, stickers that say idle thumbs in various fonts. <laughs> um, oh, actually, I think one of those stickers is new. Like the wizard sticker wasn't. Yeah. There's one that is new that it says idle thumbs in the logo of, uh, inspired by the, the Nintendo movie, the wizard. And then also, and that's the, new, right? That wasn't in the Kickstarter. It was not in the Kickstarter, yeah, yeah, except in gold foil t-shirt yeah. form. Right. And uh, the vinyl EP with four songs is also up there. But as Very limited quantities pack. on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the record. There There's like a few quantities. dozen of those that exist, I think. Some tiny yeah. number. Um, outside of, outside of the Kickstarter. If you're a Kickstarter reward. backer, you have one saved for yeah, yeah. forever. But we're, it's just... Wow. <laughs> although, get on that soon. If you're a Kickstarter backer who wants your record, you should... We're not going to... We're going to save the ones for the Kickstarter backers, but you should just get on it as soon as you can yeah. so you don't let it fall by the Which wayside. Which means you were given, you were sent an email with a with codes to get it for free. We're going to melt the uh, unclaimed Kickstarter ones into a statue in the shape of a VGA and then send that to one yeah. lucky Kickstarter backer. Also, if you, wow. if you yeah, if you don't want yours, let us know and we'll, we'll um, figure out a way to... We'll throw it into the sea. Yeah. Anyway. Barry, let's see. Um, but also, like you were saying, Sean... We do have a poll up right now, which is what is our next T-shirt? Um, pick one. Pick one. We'll do it. We'll do it soon. Yeah, you can get to that poll is like linked from the front page on store.idlethumbs.net. Yeah. So we'll probably like I don't know keep that poll up for a week, 
then pick one, make it, and it'll be in the store hopefully soonish, soon. very soon. Twenty fifteen. the The upshot to us having spent a long time getting the store up and running is that we now actually understand the production pipeline and fulfillment of this stuff really well. So, like, it should actually we're pretty good at it now. I think. Yeah. We really put some mental power into it. Yeah. Anyway, we're check not it fucking out. Amazon, at, but it's, it's store at thumbs.net. So. Oh, check out the about page. The about. Oh page yeah, the about strong. and support page yeah. on the store, not the main site. The main site's fine, but the one on the store is better. But the store is about page. <laughs> it's better. It is. Bye. Video games. You know, Vanaman is Swedish. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. I thought it was Dutch. Swedish. Wow. So I was told growing up it was pretty wrong. I thought he told me it was Dutch. Weird. Sweet. They're just fucking saying what I Listen in to Wave Wave. Playing as my favorite Dota Ward, Terra Blade. Stop it. <laughs> this has to end.